Welcome to Form of Passion, episode 43. I want to thank everybody that's been joining us here at the beginning of 2021. We hope the new year is treating you well. I uh, want to thank everybody that has recently subscribed to our Patreon. Um, we're really close to a, a personal goal of mine, like 20 people away. So if you are one of our uh, many appreciated listeners, I invite you to go to www.patreon.com slash form of passion and subscribe for $2 a month. You're going to get an additional episode on the last Friday of each month that deviates away from our normal interview you know, model. Uh, we have discussions about records, about you know, top tens of genres, or we do like brackets, lots of comparison, a lot of shop talk. Uh, it's a lot of fun. I really enjoy doing it, and I really enjoy getting uh, different guests and and you know younger people, older people, you know, like, like running the full gamut of uh, people that come on for those. So if that sounds like something that you want to delve into, please, I invite you to subscribe. I would love to hit that goal. Uh, at the beginning of each public episode, I also announce uh, a special thank you by name of the people that have subscribed to the Patreon since the previous episode. So if you subscribe, you're going to get a shout out at the beginning of these public ones. Uh, this week we have a lot, so bear with me. Uh, want to send a shout out to Styles Tate. Want to send a shout out to uh, Apostolus. I know they do a, a zine called Soulcraft in Greece. Uh, want to send a shout out to Hunter Mals. He was our most recent Patreon uh, guest. He sings for the band Downfall. It's a good episode. Um, sending a shout out to Justin Maitland. Uh, oh, you said you subscribe for more than two dollars. Appreciate you, Justin. Uh, this person's name is Just Shane. Shout out to you, Shane. Uh, CJ Christian, thanks for joining us on Patreon. There, uh, this person's name is just Doc. Uh, appreciate you, Doc. Uh, Alex DeMatessa of Great Mistake Records, outstanding gentleman. He's classic. He's been on uh, form as well. If you've not listened to that episode, please do. Luis Hernandez of Alpha and Omega fame, uh, formerly ran Shop Shogun, uh, awesome California guy, can't respect Luis enough, uh, Jesse Holmes, um, Joseph Wilson, and we have two more here, uh, Ruben Gomez, and last but not least, we've got uh, Cody Mays, originally from around this area, played in Downfall as well, uh, Red Vision, Watchdogs. Uh, enjoying the outdoors, living in the Portland area now. Hope you're doing well. Thank you to all these new people that are joining us over there. As you can see, it's uh, it's a hot commodity. You wanna you wanna join that club. Today we have on somebody that is uh, very important to me personally, locally, but I think is also an important person to a lot of people that got to connect uh, with him uh, in many of his bands. Um, you know, I, I myself, uh, am, am a big fan of, uh, the band that I believe gave, uh, this man his namesake, but, uh, I followed his, you know, career within hardcore and punk music, um, since, you know, I, I was younger and now he is, uh, doing a podcast called where it went, uh, that catalogs the rev discography, um, record by record. And there's a lot of additional, episodes as well along with that uh, you get a lot of deep dive information um you know i i think uh that this today's guest is you know someone that is, has a great energy about him 
and somebody that I uh, I look up to in a few ways, and I'm really happy to be speaking with him. Who you have on today, Mr. Jason Mazzola. Thank you for having me. Of course, of course. Appreciate it. How are you, sir? I'm doing good. Good. And I apologize it took so long to uh, get things together. Hey, for me you to know, come in, it's a, it's a mix of I'm nervous talking, but I'm kind of finding, I'm fighting my way through that, through doing the podcast. So endless respect to you for how good you do. And of course, Axe to Grind and the other hardcore podcasts oh, yeah. that I listen to. Oh, yeah. I mean... I mean, that, that's things. I remember I initially talked to you about coming on, and and like you know, in very humble Jason fashion, <laughs> you, were, you were like, I don't know, I don't know, I'm like nervous, whatever. Yeah. But uh, but no, I mean, it's like you know, like you sound good on where it went. Thank you. And you know, like I think like I I like liked it from the get go, but I enjoyed it more once you kind of you started piping up more because I because I think you do have like like interesting things to add that. Hav and Greg might not necessarily throw in there. Okay. So I so I think that you you add like an aspect to that that is is necessary and cool. That's awesome to hear. No, it's it's it's, it's real. Because you know when you're hyped up to play a show, mm-hmm. within that first song, you can kind of tell, yo, this show's going to rule or this show's going to fucking suck. Yes. But either way, you're over that nervous energy. Yeah. Talking to somebody, it's this constant just should I said that? Was that stupid? Was that smart? <laughs> but doing the podcast, there's been times where I thought Dude, I please fucking cut that out. I'm so embarrassed. <laughs> but then I listen to it, listen back to it. No one cares. No one notices. Yeah, it's very natural. We try to like not edit, like unless somebody specifically asks for something to not be on an episode. Yeah, we don't edit anything out. Um, unless it, no, I. And, th- and what's interesting you say you say about that about like, you think about like things that you thought like oh that was like embarrassing or something yeah. like that. The things that people want edited out of these are never like incriminating type things <laughs> or like like things that you would think. It's always like really minute stuff. Yeah. Like I, like I won't say the name, but there's so many one time that like said their dad didn't have good taste in music anymore. And they were like, can you please take that out? <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, like uh, – and like I think we've I think I think for like some I think we have we've had to take out like something about like where like somebody worked or something before okay. like you know because they just want to keep it separate but um but yeah I mean uh you know it's just like I always tell people when they come to do this that it, I'm like after like a few minutes you're not going to know that the microphone is in front of your face yeah it's just like having like a conversation or whatever. And I know you all do yours over Zoom, so that's like a different. Yo, yeah, yeah. Know. It's nice to see someone in person. Yeah. Well, that's the thing too is it's so because of COVID, mm-hmm. the original model of this was zero Zoom. Like I was, like originally it was like I refused. Yeah. And it was only going to be either like people that were like in town hanging out mm-hmm. or like on tour or when I there wasn't a tour happening or something, I would just get like a local friend you know, or somebody like local. Cause there's a lot to pick from here. Yeah. Um, and then obviously with COVID that threw that model out the window. So Porter's episode was sick. Ah, uh, yeah, it was, but it was like, you know, I apologize to everybody else listening. Uh, we had a bit of trouble with the Wi-Fi, So there's sort of some kind of delay there, but thank you. I really enjoyed yeah, it. was awesome. Uh, you know, that one in like any kind of floor punch lore, I like, like will like sink my teeth into like that book that they we were talking about on there. I can't wait for that to come yeah. out. That shining life thing. Um, but uh, 
Are you originally from around here? From Richmond? Yeah. No, I've been here since 96. Where I, were you previously? I came down here for school. I was in Northern Virginia. Mm-hmm. And okay. I was there from junior year in high school until 96. I graduated in 94. So you wait, so where were you? So you were in you were in Northern Virginia from uh like up until 94. Were you were you like born in Northern Virginia or were you born somewhere else? No, my parents, my dad's in the military, which actually plays into how I got into punk and hardcore and oh, skateboarding. Okay. I think there's two avenues or people have a sibling that gets them into hardcore or people get into it through thrasher and skateboarding that has been like such a (laughs) like that is like that has come up on here so many times but and and what's interesting what i've really come to find from like a study uh on doing these is that it will be uh generationally people get into like get it like i'll talk to kids of a certain age bracket Mm -hmm. or people of a certain age bracket and they'll get into it either through through like skating or thrash or something, or like the Tony Hawk video games have come up multiple oh, times nice. on getting people. Dude, Strike Anywhere was on one of those, right? So that's sick, right? Like, and, and that was, I mean, that was where I heard Agent Orange for the first time. Oh, and that was kind of what led me. What song was on there? Um, Bloodstains. Bloodstains was on fucking Tony Hawk. This is my. I'll give like it's like we're here about your story, but I'll, yes. give, you, I'll give you a brief. No, I uh, love it. Thing. So when the first Tony Hawk, I believe it's Tony Hawk. The first Tony Hawk video game came out. Um, they had like I want to say they had like Agent Orange and like Dead Kennedys on there okay. and stuff. Uh, I can't remember all the songs, but I remember um, a friend of mine was like, "Hey, do you want to go to this show with me?" I'm like 15, and I was like, I was into punk, but I didn't like hardcore. I okay. thought it was like a I little that. too, a little too aggressive. Yeah, and uh, you you might have been at the show. Which one was it? Uh, he was like. Uh, Agent Orange is playing with, uh, or Agent Orange is playing Nancy Reagan. Okay. And it was with a band called Are You Fucking Serious? Okay. And Direct Control opened. I don't think I was at that. Uh, okay. So I, uh, and I, and I, and I, <laughs> I went and, um, cause oh, specifically cause I was like, well, I know that band from the video game. Yeah. Um, so I went and like, honestly, like, <laughs> At the time, I was like, "These bands play too fast." I don't like, it. And, I, and I had to, and I had to go. I had to go. My, like, like my ride came before I saw Agent Orange. So but I you saw Direct it. Control. Saw Direct Control though. Nice. And that became, that definitely like, you know, I became friends with Brandon later. Yeah. And and Eric and and stuff. So it was like that became like a thing, like at, little did I know at the time. Yeah. That I would like link up with those people later. Um, Love that. But uh, uh, yeah, for sure. But um, but so, like. Like so, were you, like if you're your dad's military, like were you born outside of Virginia? Or? Oh, okay. So I was born in California. Oh, okay. At Edwards Air Force Base, and then my parents moved around a lot, and then my dad settled into a job at the Air Force Academy in Colorado Springs. Ah. He worked with cadets, and part of his job was providing entertainment for the cadets. So he booked shows for the mm. Air Force Academy. Okay. I don't know how involved he was because I was so young. And it didn't really, you know, um, it didn't matter to me what he did exactly or how involved he was with it. But he booked LL Cool J. Sick. <laughs> he booked Lita Ford. All right. And he also said, you should check out the um, the radio station the cadets have. Mm. And let me know what you think about it. And on that station, I heard Suicidal Tendencies, 
B-52s, The Cure, Depeche Mode, Violent Femmes. Like really college rock. Yeah, really college rock. But do you remember the first time you heard Institutionalized? Oh, dude, yes. It's fucking awesome. Oh, it's, I mean, (laughs) that was, uh, I don't own like a ton of records. I have like, like, uh, like probably like a stack, Mm -hmm. you know, like, like, you know, not enough for like, like put on like, like, uh, like a big shelf or anything. But I, I, one of the few that I, I do, not few, but one of the ones I do have is, is, is a first pressing of Institute of, of that suicidal record. Yeah. Um, it's such a fucking good record, dude. It's so, it's so classic. I need to revisit it. I haven't listened to it. It still holds up. It's killer. I, I think so. You know what? I think I, I've heard some songs from it like somewhat recently, and I thought the same thing. Mm-hmm. Like a bang come out like right now. It sound like that, and like have probably a, like a fairly like. I'm sure the 2021 version of that would sound a little bit different, but yeah. still like the basis of it would still have a pretty solid appeal. Um, so you're like so you're listening to like you listen to this radio station, and like did, did you like this stuff or? Dude, I loved it. Yeah, I mean, I couldn't fucking believe it. I mean, all I wanted was a Pepsi. I mean, but it's also like now you have YouTube mm-hmm. or the internet and you can say, there's this song, it's by Suicidal Tendencies or like Chorus, so you could just Google all I wanted was a Pepsi and the song would come up. But me, I would just sit in front of this fucking radio and be like, please play that fucking song. Oh, I don't know that what one. that song is, you know, but I want to hear that song. Um, so Institutionalized was big. Um, I got into skateboarding around 10 years old. And then um, I would look at Thrasher. Thrasher's filled with fucking Misfit shirts and the Smiths. And so I knew that stuff by recognition. And I was big into trading skateboards with friends. Were you still in Colorado? This is I was in Colorado. Okay. Um, I'm in middle school. I'm in sixth grade. Sixth or seventh grade. I'm trying to do the timeline. Did, did like so when like when you were when you were there like like friends that you had made like. Were they into the same stuff as you, or is this kind of like a solo journey? See, here's the thing. Mm-hmm. Military brat, who's your best friend? Fucking skateboard. Ah. I skated everywhere. Okay. You know, you move around a lot. You know, I was okay with meeting people, but skateboarding, fuck. I have my best friend with me always. I would take it with me everywhere. My mom would go to a friend's house. I'd go with her. I'd skate a curb. I didn't care. I wasn't very good. But just doing it. Yeah. I got you. I got you. Um, but, uh, so, okay. So I'm, I'm, I'm getting the picture here. You're, you know, you're out there in Colorado. How, how did you get into skateboarding? Oh, I think it's artwork. Oh, you know, you look at, I look at Thrasher, you see the artwork, the artwork that's on skateboards mm-hmm. on the t-shirts. I would try to recreate that. I'd be in my room trying to redraw, um, a lot of the Powell graphics. Okay, sure. Um, GNS graphics, Neil Blender. These are all artists that like artists slash skateboarders that I looked up to and wanted to try to emulate. But um, I brought up the trading of skateboards because I was supposed to trade someone for a Tony Hawk. Mm. Funny you said Tony oh, Hawk. Yeah. But uh, he didn't bring me the Tony Hawk. He brought me a bag of tapes. and through the sands of time looking back i'm assuming his brother had the tony hawk Mm -hmm. and said don't give that kid the tony hawk give him this bag of tapes but i remember the kid said my what i remember him saying this is a good trade for you okay 
Okay. So in that fucking tape box, or bag of tapes, it wasn't even a box, it had Misfits, Circle Jerks, Wonderful, yes, Metallica, Cla- Master of this Puppets. Is, this is a classic. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and Anthrax, I'm the Man. Killer. And I fucking loved it. Were they all sing- were they all like singles? Or, no, or not singles. They're just dub album? tapes. Okay, and here's nice. the weird thing about dubbing tapes or dub tapes: not everything's listed on that shit. Yeah, it wasn't like sometimes people would take the time to handwrite the song names and the artists, but this was just like a free for all. Okay, yeah, because it's just a cassette. Yeah, and a lot of people are like, "Oh, Wonderful's whack" by the Circle Jerks. Mm-hmm. Now, because obviously group sex is way better but at the time i didn't give a fuck i thought wonderful was the shit well it's like sometimes when you're introduced to something when when i find that when you are younger and you were introduced to something like uh off the bat it like you don't you're you're young enough to where you don't know where that sits in the canon so to speak or Mm -hmm. like or like in the culture so if you like it there and there's no stigma around it yeah like like the, the example i cite is that like um, I like Earth Crisis okay, mm-hmm. but when I was younger, the first thing I was given by them was like uh, like a Greatest Hits, okay, and they have all these like they're they're more like new metal songs are on the front of it, and I just thought it was all the same thing because I'm like 11. Or yeah, something. nah, that wasn't that young. I was a little bit older. Okay, but like I was like, oh, this is like all the the same thing, and when I referenced those songs. As I got older, people would be like, those songs suck. <laughs> I'd be like, no, man. <laughs> like, I thought they were cool. But no, I get it. The first thing you're attached to is, yeah. is you're like, yeah, this is this is cool. You know, you, you haven't, you don't even know group sex existed probably at that point. Oh, fuck no. I totally yeah. didn't know. I had no idea. All I knew was that like, so the Misfits tape, it was that Plan 9 compilation. It's got a bright green Crimson Ghost on it. And that... Side two of it starts with London Dungeon. Uh, My tape started with London Dungeon. Incredible. I cannot fucking believe London Dungeon, even to this day. To this day, dude. <laughs> to this yes. day. That is one of the best Misfit songs. Yeah. Uh, there, there's actually been a time in my life where that that might have been my favorite. And I I think what it was was I was like, most of their stuff, I mean, away from Earth AD, mm-hmm. is like pretty similar tempo. And, but that one was slower. Yes. And I remember the first time I heard it, I was like, oh, what's going on? I haven't really been introduced to, like, like traditional goth music yet. Yeah. And I remember being like, oh, what's, like, going on here? And, and, and so I was like, this, this is cool. And um, the story behind that song is cool mm-hmm. and everything. So, yeah, I mean, like, if that if that's what the, the first track was on the tape, I mean. It's fucking crazy, yeah, right? Yeah, definitely suck you in there. So, but it's funny that you said the goth stuff because, so I'm in Colorado Springs. What's close to Colorado Springs is Denver. And in Denver is fucking Wax Tracks Records. So then around 13, I start hearing um, My Life with the Thrill Kill Colt. Ah. Uh, Nine Inch Nails. Yep. Jane's Addiction was huge to me. Are you, uh, so you're you're like 13, still in Colorado. Mm-hmm. Like you were born in the 80s? I was born in 76. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. All right. Yeah, that's right. That's right. You, I, I forget that you're the generation above that what i thought um okay so so this so you know so if you're 13 like you're you're in the 80s there yeah okay all right i'm just getting away the land for like what's going on yeah um and i love that stuff and i loved palehead you ever hear palehead i don't think i have dude so palehead is al jorgensen from ministry and ian mckay whoa i didn't know that existed it's fucking sick 
Whoa. Because Ian's voice is sick. It doesn't matter what he sings over, it's but true. Uh, I loved his voice so Damn. much. So Palehead? Yes. Oh, I'm gonna look Palehead. Up. It's sick. It's on Wax Tracks. Okay. That sounds awesome. It's great. Um it was a side project. I just watched a Wax Tracks documentary. It was just something that they recorded in England. They just happened to be at the same studio and Al Jorgensen said, Why don't you jump on this and sing? Inter- I was like and- I was gonna ask, I was like, how do they link up? <laughs> yes. Like, <you> know. <laughs> so uh I heard that and I loved it. And then also around the same time, I heard Joy Division. Mm. And what I heard from Joy Division wasn't Unknown Pleasures. What I heard was the Warsaw material. Oh. You hear the Warsaw stuff? Uh, I have before. Okay. I am I get like lambasted for this a little bit. Okay. But I'm like more of a New Order guy. Okay. Fair. You know? New Order's um, also sick. I mean, yeah, they're, they're, both, they're both chill. Um my taste lean like i think when i first i think i read a an interview with peter hook in a bass magazine when mm-hmm. i was younger mm-hmm. and he talked way more about new order in it okay than, uh in in there and i was like oh like this is like you know i'm, I'm like you know and i like i heard those so i heard those songs in movies more too yeah fair so 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 the warsaw starts out with three five oh one two five go okay you, have you heard that? Uh, I think I actually have heard that. Okay. No, that shit shot into my heart like a fucking bullet. And I loved it. I'm going to have to revisit it. It's sick. I, I want to hear it. If it shot you like that, I want to revisit <laughs> it. It's what got me. I mean, that's what got me, I think. Really? Hearing that song and just like, boom, just blew my mind. The cleverness of just not seeing the numbers in order. And it's just the realization that music doesn't have to be perfect. And you know what I mean? Yeah. Flaws are what make good songs sometimes but he, they were being clever as shit it wasn't a flaw it's just sounded they probably didn't even think about it as much as i'm thinking about it right now that's see though that's the thing though is that I, I think you know something that i think about pretty often is is because i do this and i feel like you probably do this too okay where you analyze like things like analyzing like that like like that count yeah and the that was, you know, and maybe for them it was the kind of thing where it's like, hey, wouldn't it be cool if we just did this? And just, it was like a throwaway sentence. Yes. Someone's like, yeah, do it. But like, it's like breaking stuff down. Cause, cause that's the thing is it's like almost like, um, you know, you, you, you're, you know, you do the Where It Went podcast and everything. So like you guys are talking about like, so like Gorilla Biscuits or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's like analyzing the voice cracks of yes. Siv on those <laughs> records. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, exactly. Where it's like, that was just like a natural, like, you know, thing. Um, but, uh, and, uh, like, you know, but, but again, when you talk about it where it's like, oh, like this, this makes the, this makes it, yeah you know, like kind of thing. So, so I, I get you, I get you, I get why something like a count like that would, yeah. would do that. So I have that tattoo to my arm. Really? Yeah. That's cool. It's a, so I have a tattoo. It's a, it's a missile. It's a smart missile that has a boom box on it. And then, uh. When I got a tattoo, they said, "What do you want to? Well, what do you what What do you want to put on the boombox?" And I said, three five oh one two five. There you go. Because it's just something that changed me, and so did. There's a skate video by Santa Cruz called Speed Freaks. Okay. And that Speed Freaks video, it had a soundtrack that was filled with SST bands. Oh, interesting. Okay. So it's funny the similarities because you have the Tony Hawk skate game that has a soundtrack. It's probably the same thing where the soundtrack to the skate video I was watching was what got me also, and that had Coolidge by The Descendants. 
Mm, yes. I'm okay. not a cool guy anymore as if I ever was before. Mm-hmm. And that's another one where I thought, oh my God, this song's awesome. And Freak Scene by Dinosaur Jr., still one of my favorites. Uh, and then also later, or that was the first show I saw. Dinosaur Jr.? Yeah. How old were you? 15. So in the time period leading up to this, like, you know, I know you're like military brat style. Mm-hmm. Are, you, are you like predominantly like on your own, like like looking at, like finding this stuff? Like I know I brought it up earlier, but like, you know, you said your best friend was your skateboard. Did that continue like as you went through middle school and stuff? No, or? I started developing friends and someone, I had a friend in middle school and he's the one that played Joy Division for me. Okay. And um, he was into... Nine Inch Nails we talked about. Right. He had fucking seven second shirt. Ah, nice. So he knew what was up. Okay. I think he's very responsible okay. for getting into me, for getting me into yeah, what I, I love. I asked just because I was like, I was like, man, are, are, I was like, are you just kind of on this journey alone, you know, kind of thing? But yeah. having somebody around. Yeah. Know. We talked about Speed Freaks. Speed Freaks yeah. we rented. Mm fucking video store went in and rented speed freaks and watched it for a birth for a friend's birthday party nice so i had you know i was probably i was young but i had little skate rap friends and we would go in our little groups and skate all day and just watch videos all night but definitely the descendants and dinosaur jr stayed with me and so i'm in the military or i'm sorry i said i'm in the military <laughs> my dad's in the military and i get my first girlfriend I'm in Colorado Springs. He has to go to a school in Alabama mm. for one year. Okay. So I have to leave my first girlfriend. Mm, I'm sorry. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> my friends. Yeah. I'm fucking pissed. Of course. It sucks. So I, my parents are so cool, though. They rent a house with a half pipe in the back. Nice. Okay. Respect. All right. That's <laughs> How such awesome are my parents? Off. I'm such a spoiled asshole that I didn't even realize, like, my parents are so cool to rent this house with a half pipe in the back, but I was just angry. Just so yeah. fucking mad. And I would skate like I wanted to break my fucking legs off. Shit. But um, when I was there in Alabama, I would go to a like local store at the mall and everything was in the import section, alternative. And I asked the cashier, like, hey, there's this video and there's a song about this guy talking about how he wants to be cool mm. or like he doesn't want to be cool anymore. Yeah. Do you know what that is? And uh, they were like, that's a Descendants. You should pick this up. Oh, shit. Summary. Okay. The, the comp, like the comp. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That was, an, I believe that might've been my first of theirs as well. Dude, that's great. Yeah. Like, well, cause you get a taste of a lot of different stuff. Yeah. Summary has some of the. Um, like, like it's it, like you know, it has stuff from uh, Milo goes to college mm-hmm. through. God, I can't remember what it goes through, but you you get you get like a what you get is a really solid set list. Yeah, from that record, and they even have a song that sounds like Shelter on there. Which one? It's towards the end. It's like a. I'll have to think of the name of it. Oh, I'm curious because <laughs> I've definitely listened to that one a lot as a kid. Um, they didn't have they didn't have stuff from like ride the wild on there no i don't think they or, did okay yeah, i remember, I don't I, think I remember they did. oddly finding that somewhere and when i was oh, in really? high schooler and like really liking that too it's even though still like cool. the vibe was like way different yeah um yeah i mean like uh no so summary i like i that was a a big one for me 
in high school as well. So, yeah. so you get that, and like, did you pick anything else up from that one? Well, or? that's the thing. We would go back, so I'd save up the money, save up my fucking allowance money, go to the store, ask the clerk, "Hey, we like the Descendants. What else do you have for us?" Got Rock for Light. Mm. Rock for Light, like holy wow. shit. Yes, sir. <laughs> wait, wait, this is in Alabama. Yes. So you'd already met like other people in the punk. And I stuff, did, or? yeah. Okay, I did. Cool. But then, like, meeting people that was into punk was not as common as it is now. Yeah. I mean, you you see, saw if I saw someone with a Cure shirt on, they're your friend. <laughs> okay. You're fucking hanging out with that person, like whether or not you want to or not, you're For still sure. disconnected and your friends, and you're against everyone else at the time. Is what it felt like. Yeah. Especially, uh, I mean, I mean, what was the vibe in Alabama by comparison? Alabama's. It's it was so bad in comparison to Colorado. <laughs> Colorado was so fun. It was just me skating and chilling all the time and just having a good time. Yeah. And it ruled and then it went from that to just deep, deep, deep isolation mm. of being just bummed. But then through that, uh, you know, I found fucking hardcore, essentially. Because so I had Rock for Light in Alabama. It's funny. I, I'll tell you this though, but I went back to the same store, and then they said, "Oh, you like Rock for Light? You should pick up the Germs, ah. the Germs discography." And I took and I said, "This sucks." <laughs> the, somebody, somebody said, somebody said in a podcast recently that the Germs have one song, and I'm I don't know what they're referencing. I am imagining they were referencing Lexicon Devil, okay? Because um, that song is good, but yeah, otherwise it's now I like it though. Yeah, now I like okay. it a lot. It just took me like years to like it and then their footage in the decline of western civilization leave something to be desired so yeah. that never really sold me yeah oh the, <laughs> i mean the footage in that is definitely like like when when my dad would be like you know he's like i thought you and your friends were just kind of like banging on instruments uh-huh he was thinking that like you know kind of thing like uh but um no it's like i i I know why that probably wouldn't be as much of an appeal. Yeah. Um. So, so they, you know, you get the Germs record. So, yeah, I mean, and that's the thing is I feel like when you start the journey of getting into, like, punk, hardcore, metal, you're going to get some stuff that you're like, nah, this ain't for me. Yeah, yeah. You know. It's funny. I used to I used to try to make it for me, though. Oh, really? Just because it's so hard to come by. True. It was something that I valued a lot. So I would try to make myself like it or at least listen to it enough that I thought, no, I don't like this. And then, you know, you would see Black Flag so much. And I got Family Man. Mm. Family Man's not good. It's if you're... a weird record. <laughs> uh, that, was that your first Black Flag record? Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. Because okay. the artwork's sick, right? The artwork, yeah. I think, this is what I want to listen to. But when I was listening to it, I was thinking, this is not the band that everyone loves. Did Pettibone do their later artwork? Or is that somebody else? This this one is the cover of the dude blowing. Is he blowing his brains out or is his gun to his he might have He has the gun to his head, head and he's got his family dead on the ground. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. But I, it I, starts off with like the you want the fa- you want the family yeah. man. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I definitely feel like if I had heard that for the first time at that at that age, I would have been like, "Bro, this is the band everybody's talking yeah, about." Yeah, but if you heard Damage, you would be fuck yeah. This, the, this is the band everyone wants to. <laughs> yeah. This is the band everyone talks about. Which I did, uh, but I loved, I loved Dinosaur Junior. And everyone at school knew I love Dinosaur Jr. I just talked about them a lot because Green Mind had just come out. Mm. And uh, so I had that ramp in the backyard. Friends would come by and they would skate. And someone came by and they said, hey, I have a ticket to go see Dinosaur Jr. and my buddy Valentine. Whoa. Yeah. It's a lineup. It's a sick lineup it's for a, a lineup. first show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, That's a lineup. And Babes in Toyland. 
Okay. So, uh, I know that one. Okay. They were grungy, but it was that show was in Birmingham. I was an hour away from Birmingham. And to be honest with you, I thought, why would I want to go to a show? I was going to ask. So <laughs> this is interesting because I was going to ask you, I was like, was the desire to play music ever anywhere in there? But The like- desire to play music definitely was because I used to love the, um, you know, Sanitarium by Metallica. Oh, hell yeah. Dude, I would sing to that motherfucker. I loved Fuck Sanitarium. Dude. <laughs> oh. Um, so, but you didn't want to, but like the idea of like, I'm going to go see this was not. No, it just didn't. I just thought, why? I mean, that's cool. Why would I? I love this band. Why would I want to go see them? But then he was saying, you know, you should go. My Bloody Valentine's playing. They're from overseas. And to me, I didn't give a fuck. Yeah. I thought, okay, cool. I'll go. So we went inside of college. Uh, I think that's where the University of Alabama's at. In <sighs> Birmingham. But anyway. Uh I went to the show. It's just in a hall. Babes in Toyland played. It was whatever. My Bloody Valentine played, and it was just like boom, oh. sea of fucking lights, yeah, and loud as fuck. Yeah. And it wasn't like cool. Oh, the show was awesome. Yeah, but the people that were there. I mean, it's My Bloody Valentine in Dunster Junior in Alabama. It was just like, bro, do you want to go up? I'm gonna put you up, bro. Oh, dude! And I was loving, <laughs> but I was loving that shit. Now, yeah. now I would think about it different, and I would chill and just yeah. enjoy my bloody Valentine and just fucking study them. Right. But at the time, I didn't give a fuck. I said, "Yeah, put me up, bro." Yeah. And okay. so, <laughs> let's go. Okay. I, lo- I love the idea of just some dudes like, "Hell yeah, brother! I'm gonna get these kids up on the crowd at, at the my bloody Valentine." Dude, show. people moshed for anything. Uh, the cranberries <laughs> played for free when I was in DC. And the show got shut down because people were moshing and stole their equipment. So people would just mosh for anything. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of sick. It's like, yeah, I was at this like heinous Cranberries game, man. It was fucking war. <laughs> but uh, And then Dinosaur Jr. played, and it was cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is when Jay Mascus had brown hair, and he used to wear a top hat like Slash for some reason. And I was like, yeah, this is cool. I love these songs. Like, this is cool to see, but... My Bloody Valentine was really the band where I was like, holy fuck, that band was awesome. Had you ever listened to them before? No. Hmm. No. Uh, but then my friend gave me the tape after that. And uh, shortly after that, we moved to Northern Virginia. And my parents were like, you're going to love it. There's so much going on hmm. in D.C. There's all there's free concerts all the time. You're going to love it. And uh, I missed lollapalooza the first one ah. because we moved to alexandria okay. virginia and in the transition i missed that and i was really bummed because i love nine inch nails and i love jane's addiction and i wanted to see i just wanted to see that show yeah but i didn't know that it was going to be like a fucking you know what it turned out to be like a festival yeah like a very important festival right right what um, year was that that was i moved was that 1990 or 1991? Uh, if you were born in 74? 76. 76. 76. So it's, it's a, you're like 16. Uh, you said you moved when you were 16, you moved to Northern Virginia? I'm doing math. The yeah, right 16. Now. 16, I moved to Northern Virginia. <laughs> yeah. You're correct. So I was right 16. Now. I graduated high school in 94 when I was 17 so like years 90, old. 92, 91, 92. Like I definitely went to go see Lollapalooza in 92 okay. in so Fairfax, Virginia. I was definitely at that show. Um, that was the third show I saw. 
the, what was sec- the second? The second one was called um, HF Festival, and WHFS was a radio station in Baltimore. Mm-hmm. And here's the funny thing: later on, they they would continue to do this festival. The year that I saw it was the Soup Dragons, Charlatans UK. Oh, I know the Charlatans. Mm-hmm. They might be giants. Okay. Oh, uh, what? Oh, they might be giants. Did the theme song to what? <laughs> was it my? Was it Malcolm in the Middle? To the little I, birdhouse in your soul. They have a song called "Little Bird." Make a little birdhouse in your soul. Somebody, I can't what it's somebody from. respond to this episode and tell us if. I mean, I can look it up <laughs> after this. But tell me if they did the theme song to Malcolm in the Middle. I think they did. I could. They did a theme song they for a show. Um, oh, okay. So, and then Law Blues in '92 was Red Hot Chili Peppers headlined. Whoa. Ministry. Jesus and Mary Chain, Lush, Ice Cube, Pearl Jam. Damn. And Soundgarden. Damn. Pearl Jam and Soundgarden came out. This is one of two performances of Hunger Strike by Temple of the Dog. They came out and played it in Alexandria. Oh, shit. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so, like, what do you what do you remember from from that? Like, that's your third show? Yeah. Like, I mean, like, like I love ministry. Yeah. I think Lush is awesome. Yeah. Lush is um, rad. I mean, like, you listen to that. You just rounded off like a ton. Like, you know? <laughs> so I was, I was like, what? Like, like you're there. You're like, you know, like a high schooler. Mm-hmm. Like what, you know, kind of like, what were your thoughts? What were like the, the sensations? Like, like who did any, did any of these bands surprise you? Did you latch on to any of them? Ministry was fucking brutal. Like Yo. people were breaking limbs. I don't doubt it, dude. Like it that was time period. Yeah, like I love ministry. And Al Jorgensen came out, and he had like, like fucking bones at a mic stand with bones on it. You know, mm-hmm. I've seen that skeletons and shit. Uh, Ice Cube was fun as fuck. I wish I could go back and relive that, just huh. because it's cool that I saw it. They had like super soaker guns and shit, and we're shooting the crowd. This is the type of stuff that my brother would be down to roll with me for. So you had a brother, yeah, okay, older brother mainly into hip-hop gotcha not into hardcore stuff at all but i think he still liked the energy from shows sure and so uh you know he would go he went with me to Lollapalooza. he would go with me to go see fugazi for free uh at that Lollapalooza 92 show pearl jam was really good i don't like them that much but they were actually very good eddie vetter showed up late because he was at the discord house uh that's kind of cool though <laughs> i mean it's like a yeah. he showed up late but that's cool that he went yeah, and I think so. He really won over the crowd because he showed up, and uh, he said that he had to park his car in the traffic to get to the show, run through security, tell them it's on. You know, it's my set time. I'm supposed to be on. And he was wearing a Minor Threat shirt, the gr- bright green one. Oh uh, yes, another one. Yeah, yeah, white shirt, bright green, but with Alec McKay with his head down. But I, and the crowd just fucking loved him from the start. Um, still not my thing, but. I remember, you know what I took away from that show? Red Hot Chili Peppers weren't very good. Really? Yeah. Like, it, like they didn't play well or like... They just didn't have a great show. And also it was like, here's what's funny about those shows, those festivals. I don't, re- I don't remember drinking water. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? <laughs> I don't yeah. remember eating food. I don't remember drinking water. I just remember wanting to be, I just wanted to be moshing. Hell yeah. <laughs> Same, honestly. <laughs> That's what I want to do. That's what I want to do now. That's what I missed him. Um, but uh, so uh, interesting about the Red Hot Chili Peppers thing because they're so prof- they're, they're so like proficient 
at their and you know like when yeah. I think about I'm not really a fan to be honest yeah yeah um when I think about them though I'm like everybody in that band is really good at what they do yeah it's just not for me but interesting to hear that they didn't have really like a they didn't have a good show that night mm-hmm. maybe that's what it was I mean also another I mean we would go to these law paloozas me and my brother because it was just like something fun to do yeah um smashing pumpkins we saw later on and after they played i remember thinking the same thing they weren't that great and then that's when i first learned someone said yeah they're not that good because they're just a studio band oh they do all their shit in the studio and live they're not great but uh back to the red hot chili peppers i kind of thought to myself i don't really fuck with this too much anymore but i really liked uh i was starting to get into green day Mm. sam i am down by law um and i loved green day so you're going to like the, like these gigs and like kind of what it sound what it sounds like is it's like you're you're approaching alternative music at this time in a very ubiquitous nature. Yeah. Meaning like what I mean by that is like, it seems like you're kind of into every everything under the sun that is like rock. Yeah. Like, like you know punk hardcore you know kind of like a bunch of different stuff. And that makes sense because you were in a place like Colorado Springs mm-hmm. that probably didn't have like a scene, you know, I say this like in, in air quotes, like a scene scene yeah. in Alabama, which I imagine was probably the same, you know, probably yeah. the same way. When, like, did you start going to, like, local stuff? Oh, uh, I think when we moved to D.C. That's that's what I mean. Like, when you went to D.C., like, when did yeah. that happen? Oh, um, I think the Fugazi shows were the first ones that oh, were, you like, mentioned that. real right. local because they were free. Okay. And then there was a park called Fort Reno. And there's crazy footage of Fugazi playing Fort Reno. They were always like, you know, every summer they were going to play. They didn't play every summer, but that was going to be the big show that everyone went to was Fugazi for free at Fort Reno. So that's the first time I felt that sense of, oh, I recognize these people. And I recognize these people. They were at this show. They were at that show. Um, Yeah. What was, what was, and like, you know, like you're, I don't know, are you in like the back half of high school at this point? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. This is like 93, 94. And I would go to the 930 club. Oh, yeah. What'd you see there? Firehose. Oh, okay. You know what's okay. funny? So I saw Super Chunk. I saw Firehose. Super Chunk had songs on MTV. Yes. I thought Super Chunk, the show was going to be fucking packed. There was like 80 people there. Um, you know what? It's weird, man. I'm not that surprised. Okay. Um, like, I mean, like I wasn't there obviously at the time, but uh-huh. like, I, <sighs> super chunk fire hose. I, f- I feel like fire hose was really niche at the time. Too. Yeah. I mean, you know, no, that's the thing though. Super chunk was empty. Fire hose was packed. Really? Fuck. It was claustrophobic. Are you for real? Yes, but it's because of the Minutemen. I was that's something. Ask, is it the Minutemen yeah, thing? not anything that I knew when I went to that show. I didn't know. Oh yeah, this is Mike Watt from the Minutemen. This was just me at the show, thinking this is way more people than I expected to be. Interesting. Here. Oh, that blows my mind, dude. Yeah, I would have thought the Super Chunk. Uh, I, I would have thought. I, I thought you were saying like there was eighty people for the whole show in general, but that's crazy that they they filed out. Yeah. No, 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 no. Oh, it, wasn't it wasn't the two, same show. It's oh. two separate shows. Super chunk. The attendance was low. Fire hose was packed. As that fuck. blows my mind, dude. I can't. Yeah. I can't believe it. Maybe it's a DC thing. I'm not sure. Or, or, or maybe you know. I mean, people talk about like the concept of a fake big band. Yeah, and dude. That, yeah, there you go. You know, I mean, they have songs on MTV. Doesn't mean it doesn't mean they're necessarily a big band, right? For sure. Yeah. Um. So, 
you're you're still not like you're not playing with anybody yet or anything though. Like, no, you, you haven't like entertained that idea or anything. I didn't even think it was a possibility. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I, well, I think that you came up in a different generation than I did, but the idea of actually being in a band seemed very unattainable. Mm. Like something that only happens to very gifted people. And that's oh, not no, the oh, case. No, I'm not talented at all. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, you know, and, and we'll get back to the timeline, but mm-hmm. I think uh, access to things is really important for fostering people, like, you know, being in bands and creating music and, and, and stuff. And, uh, you know, I don't know. I don't know what it was. I I feel like a lot of people when I was in high school had a lot of access to like mm. instruments, places to practice. Yeah. Like, like I don't like like sometimes I think about, I think about like um, some like bigger like I think of like New York City or something, mm-hmm. and I and I'm like I'm like how come there like I never hear about like like high school bands or anything like that there. I'm like oh well probably because if you wanted to be in a band in some place like that expensive you have to rent out a practice space that's like three thousand dollars yeah you know and like you know so I, I think about like denser populated places um in that regard and it's like yeah like that's probably why like certain creative endeavors get more stifled the more expensive some places because you don't have access to the resources you need to mm-hmm. create stuff so i could see when you're younger being like like oh like it's it's not just like as easy as like posting on the internet, yeah, and being like, hey, I want to be in a band. Is anybody you know want to be in a band? You know, yeah. So when you were younger, I, I I could see how you would be like, oh, this seems unattainable. Yeah, you know, for sure. But then through hardcore, when you had, I think when Blade Crasher dropped their demo, it was like, oh shit, you can be in a band, <laughs> you can play shows. When did that come out? Oh my god, I don't know when it did. Was it? It's before Count Me Out started. Yeah. So was it 96 or 97? It must have been 97. Were you like, were you, I mean, so so we'll get there because there's still like a couple more years yeah. to that. But like, you, so you, uh, you know, like you're going like, you know, like the stuff locally uh, and everything. Like I imagine like are you meeting people at Fugazi shows and stuff? Or? Slightly. I think more – I think hardcore shows is more where I started to meet people at. Um, did you ever like Clutch? So what's interesting about Clutch is that I've I've only listened to Clutch like a few times. Okay. Uh, I like stuff that is like them. So I probably would. Yeah. I've never really given it a shot, though. Well, I bet now if you listen to the first LP, it would definitely sound dated. But Clutch was a band that played with Worlds Collide. They would play with DC hardcore bands. And they were playing shows at St. Stephen's. Oh, yes. Church. And they played the 930 Club. I went to go see them open for Quicksand. Was Clutch from the – are they Mm -hmm. from there? They're from Maryland. Yeah, they're from Maryland. And so that was the first band where I kind of saw the rise. You know what I mean? Because they were yeah. playing St. Stephen's. They were playing hardcore shows. I would go see them play, and I would see familiar faces at those shows. Okay. And um, I'm trying to think. I I definitely remember seeing someone at a St. Stephen's show and them, and telling them, oh, I had to leave early when Quicksand played. And they said, you didn't really miss too much. They didn't play. 
you know, too much off this, maybe off the seven inch or whatever slip had just come out. Mm. Fucking kill me for leaving for that show. But I also had broken my foot. And so I was on crutches at that show, hanging on for dear life. Like, I want to make it through this show to see Clutch. All the blood was rushing down to my foot, you know. (laughs) And so I was lightheaded. I just wanted to get the fuck out of there. But uh, I loved Clutch. That first LP, I, I... I definitely liked that first LP a lot in the Passive Restraints EP. And I can't remember what show it was. This show at St. Stephen's was maybe Four Walls Falling. Oh, okay. Okay. Sure. Yeah. Sure. You hadn't been down here yet, had you? Yeah, I came down here for a Sonic Youth show. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, where was so, it? Sonic Youth and Super Chunk played Browns Island. Oh, yeah. All right. And dude. so I came down for that show. And uh, it's so funny that show. Ian McKay was side stage, oh, and sure. I remember being. I remember looking at him like, "Holy shit!" There's Ian McKay side stage. What the fuck is he doing watching a band play? <laughs> but I also saw him at Rocket from the Crypt like t- oh, shit. ten years ago, and I thought, "Oh, this is awesome!" Ian McKay side stage watching Rocket from the Crypt play. But yeah. um, and they played Nick Fit, and I remember that they looked over at him before they played Nick Fit now this means something to me mm-hmm. at the time i was just like uh cool emakai's on the on the side of the stage and they acknowledged him um but yeah i did want so i went to go see my senior year of high school is when i started to really get into going to hardcore shows before that the same girlfriend that i had that drove down to richmond to see sonic youth mm. we drove up to baltimore to go see green day at the eight by ten club Okay. And it's called the 8x10 Club because it's 8 square feet by 10 square feet. That's a good size. Was, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but Green Day was not big. This yeah. was when Kerplunk came out. Okay, so this is what, like 95? No, not 95. Earlier? This is 94. Okay, so it's early. Okay, yeah. 93, 94. Somewhere in there. My, My Green Day knowledge is not great, <laughs> unfortunately. I think this was 93. But um, they played and they played... One of the songs they broke down and they were just jamming a bass line. It could have been Longview, okay. but I don't think it was out yet. But And they would take requests from the crowd. That's cool. And they would just break into the song. And so if someone would say, of course, fucking Freebird's the first song that comes out. Of course, yeah. But then they would say other songs and then they'd break into that. And I was like, you know, we talked about the Red Hot Chili Peppers. And I said, play Red I said, play Under the Bridge. <laughs> the place is small. Yeah. But, uh, and Billy Joe was like, under the bridge that fat motherfucker running in that video and i and that like holy fuck i said something and this singer of a band recognized that i like he heard my voice speak to him and that was like holy fuck um and after the show i bought a shirt from him someone comes up to him and they have a lookout record shirt and the lookout record it's a geffen shirt but it looks like the Lookout Records logo. Oh. And they're like, here you go. I made this shirt for you. Interesting. Ha ha. <laughs> because major labels yeah. were, you know, after them at that point. Well, and, and, and man, like I feel like also um, you don't see this as much now. But I feel like bands from the world of punk going to anything major was like looked down on. Oh, fuck yeah. At like, that time. Big time. Yeah. Then. They broke through it, but like big time. And and I remember even being when I was younger in the 2000s, that was like, I mean, like it was happened all the time, but it was definitely like 
for like certain bands, it was definitely like, like looked at like a weird way for sure. Now mm-hmm. I feel like nobody, nobody care. I mean, yeah. now, now you could technically not, you don't even need a label to have like a hot record. If oh you, yeah, you know, definitely not. Like, um, but, uh, you know, you, you gotta like work a lot harder, mm-hmm. but, um, but so that's interesting. And, and like, cause that, I mean, one of the reasons that I like that hardcore and like metal has been so important to me. Um, but more specifically hardcore and punk is because of the lack of barrier between yeah. audience and stage. I think that was the first time that I truly saw that. Cause even Fugazi would play for free. Mm-hmm. There's still so, there was still not that closeness, you know? I mean, if I wanted to be, there could have been, but I kind of had no choice because this place was so small that you just kind of had to be close to the stage. Yeah. And if you yelled something, they would hear it and they might acknowledge you or they might not. Um, but I really love that breakdown I mean, of the barrier. Holy shit. So do I, man. Yeah. I mean, like, it's, it's like, dude, like I think, I think that is something that uh, if you're a performer in any kind of hardcore related act, uh, I think that's something that you should really, if you don't already value, you should value it because that doesn't exist like in no. other, in a lot of other places. And, and, and it might exist. I'll put it this way. It might exist sometimes. Mm-hmm. It might happen every so often, but it, it's a rarity as opposed to a commonplace. Yeah. And I think there's something like, there's something, there's a lot, to say about like being in a room where it's like, all right, man, we're all on the same parallel. Yeah. Here. Um, so that, that's cool. I mean, it's cool that you remember that like first experience with that and everything. Yeah. Um, when, uh, you said you just kind of started getting like into like stuff like locally hardcore wise. Um, you, you mentioned like worlds collide, like what else was going on in DC at the time? Oh, uh, what was big in DC at the time? Local bands, um, ashes, Brian McTurn's band. Lagant mentioned them to me before. Yeah. yeah. Ashes was happening. Um, Outspoken played there. Really? And when Outspoken played there from California, that show just popped the fuck off. Like people went crazy when they played. You know those bands where you like, you like want to be into it, but just like, (laughs) like doesn't hit for you. Yeah. I want to be into Outspoken so bad. I just can't do it. Did you listen to what's it called? The current? Yeah. Yeah. The I've current's the one that, that, man. Okay. <laughs> like <laughs> I've tried, I like want to, cause like, I don't know. I got like, like, uh, I like, um, I like things that outspoken influenced. Yeah. So, uh, so I want to, I want to like them, but every time I've tried it, like, I, I think, I think it's the production maybe. Yeah. It's a little thin. I, I don't know. I'm using not like, I don't know, but then sometimes I listen to stuff that sounds like it was recorded in a garbage can, and I'm like, "This sounds cool." <laughs> yeah, so dude. I don't know, like, <laughs> I don't know what it is, like, like a bat or whatever. A lot of, a lot of the tempo of new age stuff at the time, like, uh, I don't know what it is. So some like, didn't like, I didn't latch onto it, yeah, as much. But, but it, that's cool. That's cool. They had like a hot set and everything. Yeah, they had a great show, and that was the, I think that was the second hardcore show i went to second or third it was all kind of around that same year the first one was lifetime and they played with resurrection okay um sure and my friend peter took me to that show and he plays guitar and be well now oh okay yeah Yeah. and he played in fairweather so 
Gotcha. It's kind of nice that we're still interested in music to the extent that you would still want to be playing in bands I and putting that. out new songs. Um, People really like that Be Well record, too. It's really good. It's really touching and moving, and that's a hard thing to do for someone that's older, for a hardcore band that's older to spark that emotion in people. Yeah. Because a lot of times older bands will try to recreate the past, and it's just sad. And I was very fearful with that for the Count Me Out reunions. I did not want that to happen. That was not the vibe, dude. Thank I you. can't wait to get to that part. But no, <laughs> that was that was not the vibe. It definitely didn't. Um, we'll get there, but yeah. like, yo, like, uh, like I'll touch on it briefly. What the Count Me Out reunions came off as were there are some bands that get back together and. There, you can very much so tell that they're doing it for themselves. Yeah, and uh, and trying to relive, kind of like what you're talking about, exactly. trying to like relive what you what you could tell about the Count Me Out ones was that you guys were enjoying doing it, but it wasn't for yourselves. It was for everybody that was there. Yeah, and I mean, you're not like a really, you're not like a super ego guy anyway, mm-hmm. and so there was like no. They didn't seem like there'd be any ego behind it. It the um to put it more succinctly, it was almost like uh a not a like not a pleasant surprise, but like a like pleasant recognition of like, oh, it's it's good to see that you guys enjoy this. Yeah. You know? That's good to hear. And, and no, that that was how it came off to me. Awesome. It, was, it was very it was like it was genuine, it was chill. Um because yeah, some bands get back together and it's not like that. Yeah. And, and like, and like you can tell that heads are big. Yeah. And God, I hate that. You know, just like th- hundreds of new like merch designs yeah. and stuff and, and, and all that and, and lack of simplicity. Uh, it's just, yeah. But, um, so you see ashes, um, and you, what's the other one you mentioned? Lifetime. Lifetime. Okay. Lifetime's so lifetime huge. At, lifetime at. Oh yeah. I Cause they were like, um, but they were so obscure at the time. This was they'd come out with their seven inch, and I just had dubs of tapes still. I didn't really, really come up with much money, mm. and I didn't really buy records. Now I wish I could go back and probably buy some of that stuff. But I was more interested in just the content, so I didn't really care. It's funny because I'm a t-shirt guy, but having the actual record didn't mean too much. Didn't mean as much to me as having the actual songs. I had some stuff. I still have a small collection. But uh, I was really just into the music. And so I heard, I don't think that Peter from Be Well recorded the tape for me. He might have. But it had the rebuilding comp on there and that had Turning Point and Burn. And I just love those songs so much. I needed something to make me feel emotion. And those songs just fucking pull at you with the harmonics and the octaves. They make you feel a certain way and they grab you. And the singing's not perfect. But it's real. And like I, Turning I Point, that. like like I mean, like all their material, but especially like the later stuff is you know for sure. That's on like, the rebuilding. I mean, yeah, that's like comp. You know, that's like wh- where I think a lot of like that that world of that specific type of hardcore. I mean, that's one of the you know kind of like the hinge pins of that where yeah. you know, it came from. And yeah, Burn too. I mean, like you got just like uh, even though. Uh, even though like kind of like Shaka's like lyrics and stuff are, are very like like heady and like almost like yeah. jazzy in a way, yeah. but there's so much like 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 the emotion behind him is yeah. very apparent. And it's funny we're going to talk to Burn soon for 
the podcast, but I mean, this depression is haunting me. Mm-hmm. I can't break free and I can't be me. I don't know what to do because there is no escape from your grasp. Yeah, but, man. I mean, that's like, that's a very, it's not as simple as like, I'm sad, you know? <laughs> yeah. But, but at the same time, the same time, it's, it's like saying something that like, that is like uh, very well put together and very relatable. Mm-hmm. I you think know. relatable. That's what I always loved about hardcore. Mm. Lyrics that are relatable. Yeah. I also like when people get clever. People can write some shit that's not relatable, but it's so clever. You think, damn, I wish I wrote that. Oh, I, I mean, I, I like <laughs> so many times when I'm writing lyrics, like I'll be sitting there and I'll be like, yeah, I'm like, I'm making something clever here, you know, whatever. And then like, like the song will come out and I'll be like, that wasn't as that wasn't remotely <laughs> clever as I thought. And, and, and I, cause I try to recreate that clever thing sometimes. And like, yeah, some people are so good at it. Yeah. Um, but when it hits, it's fucking hitting uh, when yeah. it works out. It's awesome. Yeah. Um, okay. So like you, I mean, like, did you, you heard these bands? Wait, did you see them though at the time? Or? No, no. God, I wish I missed out. It's so funny the way hardcore works just by two years or three years. You know, I had missed seeing, burn and judge and gorilla biscuits and bands that played the safari club oh yeah so the safari club turned into the chamber of sound and chamber of sound is where i would go see 108 and strife and shelter and sure uh course of disapproval ah yes they played there um just what was hot at the time that was just the place that shows were at so it'd be the equivalent of going to see a run of shows at a uh, strange matter when there's you know the hot bands at the time gotcha um of course I'm still mad. I never saw Nirvana, but that's okay. And that's, and you were close to, you were in that world too. So yeah. I feel like you like would have, well, it's funny. Cause that's the transition. Mm. Nirvana played at, uh, William and Mary with the breeders. And I had friends that were going to go to the show and I thought, fuck that. I'm going to go see chokehold. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So here we are. <laughs> that well, that kills me. Led that me kills down me, dude. To the, where I am right now. But it's it's funny because my mother will be the my mom will tell her friends. Yeah, Jason loves bands. He saw Green Day before they were big. So it's cool that my mom recognizes That's that. Cool. But motherfucker, I wish I saw Nirvana so I could at least if I have kids, tell my kids I saw Nirvana. But yeah, yo, I saw them. So uh, what was kind of going on for you? Like you know, like you kind of like let's say like post high school. So you're probably like, well, like if you're in like 94, 95. Yeah, I graduated in 94. Uh, let's see. 95. I moved to Texas briefly. Really? Yeah, I moved I to Texas briefly just to go to community college. I had some friends that they they were moving. A friend moved out there to be with his girlfriend. I just kind of joined and I thought, <laughs> fuck it. I'll get away from my family and I'll go see what's out there. And when I was in Texas, I fucking missed shows so much. There Where were, were you sh- in Texas? What's that? Where were you in Texas? Oh, what was the name of the place? That's indicating right now that I <laughs> not have been someplace with shows. <laughs> it was outside of Dallas. I think it's called Irvine. Oh, yeah. I've, Does that I, sound familiar to you at yeah. all? So I used to be in logistics, like mm-hmm. routing okay. stuff. I remember seeing Irvine pop up every so often. So, yeah, that's it's, a place. It's funny because when we toured, I would see these places. We would drive past, like, 
Alabama, the small town I lived in there, and in Irvine also. I remember seeing that. But there's also an Irvine, California. That's why I think I was hesitant to say oh, Irvine, maybe Texas. I'm wrong, at first. I don't know. Yeah, I think that's right. But uh, when I was there, I only saw Sam I Am. I think that was the only show that I went to go see there was Sam I Am at that local club called Trees, which maybe shut down. I hope it didn't, but I don't know. Yeah. I miss shows so much and I fucking miss the, um, it's funny. We're talking about, I miss this show and I miss that show. I, you know, cause I would see you at every show I went to. I think Yeah, you were there. <laughs> I'm trying yeah. to go see as much shit as I possibly can, yep. probably in an attempt to reclaim some of the sadness from missing these shows, but I missed bad brains played a free show mm. back and I was in Texas, but it was bad brains reunion show back at a club called tracks trucks. Uh, tracks was a dance club with, three separate floors and bad brains played a fucking free show reunion back they toured for a very small time and hr smashed somebody in the head with a mic stand mm. and the tour was canceled yeah a few shows after that track show somebody told me a story recently it might have i can't remember if it was on a patreon of this podcast mm-hmm. or something or it was or my friend evan told me um or maybe it was like Mark or Justin, but in regards to HR, is that like, I think that uh, they, oh man, I, I don't want to get this wrong. If, if somebody, if somebody's listening and they hear this, t- like share the story with us about how I think maybe the Goo Goo Dolls were on tour mm. with like Bad Brains or something. Okay. Or, and, and like, uh, like the tour almost stopped as well because <laughs> the guy, like one of the guys tried to like go into the dressing room and like, HR had like a gun or something. And was oh, like, okay. And was like, no, this is my yeah. room or, or whatever. I'm not surprised. And apparently, apparently that happened like every night or something like that. Yeah. So, Actually, um, I think that was the other show I saw was the Goo Goo Dolls for free in Texas. Oh, yeah? So there was that one. Yeah. Their early stuff, it's I sick. had no idea yeah, that sick. it was just like punk music. <laughs> uh, I had no idea. I mean, we saw them, what, two years ago? I think we saw them in 2018, 2019 when they played Richmond. Oh, damn. I forgot about that. Yeah, it was fun. Someone hooked us up with free tickets, so that shit was – it was fun for a night out. But nice. So you missed the, the Bad Brains reunion? That killed me. <sighs> yeah. And uh, shortly after that, I moved back, and that's when I really started hitting shows super hard. Um, Did you move back to Northern Virginia? Yeah, I just moved back in with my parents. Okay. And then I went to community college there and was just going to shows and just hanging out. And I was taking art classes at um, Northern Virginia Community College. And the teacher there was really pushing us to, if you're ever interested in really doing art, then you got to go to Richmond and go to VCU. Mm. And all I connected with Richmond were the hardcore kids that would drive up to the Chamber of Sound shows. And I thought, oh, yeah, Richmond has shows and I want to be where there's shows. I was wrong at the time. They had kids that drove up to shows because there weren't there wasn't much happening in Richmond at that time. What year was this? Oh God. When did I move down in 97? I think 96, I think 96 96. is when I moved down. Winter of 96 is when I moved down and I started the semester, you know, 97. All right. So I'm, I'm thinking right now, uh, yeah. I mean, what you mean? You were there. What, what was, what was going on here at the time? Nothing. Really? It didn't seem like anything. There might've been in retrospect, there might have been some cool shit I missed out on. I kind of remember seeing a Drive Like Jehu poster in the window of Twisters at the time. Um, I'm sorry, I'm trying to think. Like, like I'm trying to think what bands would have been around. Uh, Four Walls was 
done? Four Walls was done. I saw Inquisition. I really liked Inquisition. Okay. The band pre- Pre-Strike Anywhere. Anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. I got the, now I can't think of the name of it. There's a name of the Inquisition demo, and it's kind of the one that everyone loves. And it starts out with a song that says, uh, Inquisition in the house. You don't stop. You don't stop. (laughs) I fucking love that. Um, Four Walls I had listened to. I knew they were from Richmond. Uh, at the time, the biggest show to happen was Bloodlet. Really? Bloodlet played Richmond <laughs> with Neurosis. I can't, I can't believe that was the biggest show. And it was huge. That's I'm not a Bloodlet fan, so that really <laughs> blows my mind. Um, but that was the state of things. I don't think Warzone played here yet. They might have. Like, uh, Hato 4 is playing locally, yeah? Not no, not then. They weren't a band yet. They hadn't started yet. Really? Yeah. When they, it was. I kind of remember it being twenty five to life came and played here. Then was it? I don't know if Hato Four started before twenty five to life played here, or if they just started playing with, you know, if they started playing together after twenty five to life played here the first time. I hear that from people from from that era that twenty five to life played here like. All the time. Dude, 25 to Life played here all the time. <laughs> yeah. And so did Hatebreed. Oh, that's sick. And they were both sick. Yeah. I, th- I hear the 25 to Life shows were dope, dude. Dude, the 25 to Life shows, everyone would turn out for those shows. <laughs> and everyone would go bonkers when they played. Word to the wise, man. Yeah. No, wise to the game. Yeah, wise to the game. And Hatebreed. Oh, my God. Though. We saw the rise of Hatebreed. I'm sure. Like, we would go, when I lived in D.C., we would go see Hatebreed at all these small fucking places. And there would always be kids from Richmond that drove up for those shows. Always. And uh, we drove down to the beach to see them play. That was a show Blade Crasher played. Okay. Blade Crasher, Hatebreed, Murphy's Law, Floor Punch. Damn. That's a gig, <laughs> son. Yeah, it was Woo. sick. It was it was a good show for sure. Um So that's interesting. I thought I thought by like mid 90s stuff was like kicking here. But I, but I guess when I've talked to like, you know, like like Lagan who was mm-hmm. like a, like a little bit older than you, mm-hmm. um he he he'll, he'll like reference bands from kind of that time period that I've like never heard of. Okay. Like like Epicac and uh I'm trying, yeah. to think of, I'm trying to think of some of the other ones. 400 it, years. It, he would like mention bands that were kind of in like the same like in the same breath as like Ashes and stuff. Yeah, and and I'd be like, man, I've never heard of any of these, and I think that they were all just like largely like local phenomena yeah. type stuff. So, um, so but so you you're here in '96, early '97, and you know, yeah, Bloodlet's the biggest thing going on. That's yeah, bleak. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was, and then. uh I know Warzone played here, and I don't know if Blade Crasher opened up for them or not. But I know at that Warzone show, there was someone moshing. It was not, there wasn't that many people there. Everyone was kind of in a semicircle watching Warzone play, and then there were kind of two people like drunk punk dancing, like swinging each other around, you know. Mm. And they'd bump into me, and I kicked that dude so hard in his shin, like get the <laughs> fuck off me. And then that dude came up to me and was like, "Yo, why the fuck did you do that?" And I felt so bad about it, man. <laughs> and then I, it just just something clicked in my head where I was like, yo, that wasn't cool. Why did I kick that dude in the shin? I'm never going to do that shit again. Um, also, I mean, the, yo, I mean, like, I could be wrong, but you're here in 97. Yeah. I'm sure the energy in a lot of those rooms was very, like, like that anyway. You're 100% correct. You know, I'm yeah. sure the energy was, like, like 
every you, everyone's guard is up. Yeah, I feel like you know, um, just like based on like what I know, yeah, and like the history here and everything. So it's like, yeah, I mean, I, I could, I could, what you're describing right now, like I could have seen at a show here, not even ten years ago. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, I could have been doing that. Yeah, I think I. I kind of remember a really similar scenario at a Gnostic Front show where I think I did kick somebody in the <laughs> same fashion that was doing the exact same thing. Yeah. And I wasn't terror. It was like pre-2015, but, yeah. you know, somewhere in there. And, and yeah, I mean, like, I, I don't know what uh, what DC was like by comparison kind of, like, vibe-wise. Yeah. Like, uh, and climate-wise. But, but I do know just from, like, recollections of people I know from here that, you know, it was like, you know, a tough place. Yeah, DC. Well, T, the DC shows were tough. I hear also. that too. They were they were really. I was more scared of the DC shows. I definitely remember going to shows and being like, "Is this my show that I'm going to get fucked up at?" <laughs> but I don't care because I love integrity. All right, yeah. You know, I'm going to be up front. I'm going to get fucked up, but I'm still going to be up front when integrity plays. Hell yeah. Um, and I remember walking back and forth to the shows, thinking, "Am I going to get fucked with on the way to my car?" And mm. you know. Because yeah, fights happened a lot. In D.C., they happened a lot. And they were brutal fights. They were never like, well, they happened in Richmond, too, where people would get jumped and shit. But yeah. it's just brutal. Fucking Cobra Kai, No Mercy style beatings of people. I know. <laughs> I mean, like, I wasn't, like, there. But, like, it, it the cult, the, like, a culture of that kind of, like, at least on, like, on, on, like the, the more, like, like definitively hardcore side of things like i mean went on for a while yeah um you know and uh and some people who don't grow up around that that's like not and i feel like for a younger hardcore person that that sounds like an alien world yeah now. yeah but i think that's for the best I oh mean, i mean i it, at, yeah it's at, fun to reminisce on that stuff yeah, i completely agree yeah but i don't think that it's a good thing to have that at shows especially when it shows where it's at venues where people that you no. Oh, yeah. Book the shows. It's just something that I have a lot of respect for people that even if they're going to fight somebody, they still have that clarity of mind to say, let's do this Not when we're here. away from the show. Yeah, for sure. Because that fucks the show up. Yeah. You just, I mean, like, yeah, people that people don't keep in mind that, like, you know, it's, your actions have a, uh, a wake that affects yeah. other people. Even and fucks not, the bands up. Yeah. And the bands will have a, you know. Fuck oh, the I've bands up it. for the tour. I've seen it. So, yeah. so you're at, uh, you know, like, like you. Things change here, though. I mean, I you yeah, know, I know yeah. that via via history. Yeah. So it's it's kind of like what what did you see during that time period? And and we're getting close to if you're here in '97, we're getting close to count me out time. Yeah, for sure. It wasn't so, too yeah. It wasn't too long after I moved here that we started count me out. And how did how did you meet those guys? And like how did that come together? Schaefer Court. Ah, uh, yes. <laughs> For those who don't know, Schaefer Court is the student dining hall yeah. here, uh, which this is how I explain to people pre like Twitter. Mm -hmm. If you wanted to, or like, like internet, if you wanted to go hang out and see people that were into the same shit as you, that was where you would go. Cause you could, you would run into people. Yeah. yeah. Only place to be. Yeah. Um, it's funny. Schaefer Court. So Fugazi played Schaefer Court. Rocket from the Crypt played Schaefer Court. The makeup. Jets to Brazil. They would have bands play there also. Oh, wow. But um yeah, I was really I I really clicked with Garth and Charlie. 
and Charlie was really into Hands Tied and Fast Break. Mm. Garth is into Judge. Um, I fucking love Chain. Oh, I know about it. <laughs> oh, I know. About it's it. no secret. I love Chain. It was very satisfying to be able to tell the members of Chain to their face. You know, this your band fucking changed my life, and I thank you for that. Yeah, it's cool. That's the most rewarding thing I think I've gotten from doing the podcast. Um, it's it's so sick to be able. I mean, like doing podcasts like this now. So that's cool. I can talk to somebody now that understands this because yeah. you're a person like this for me as well where you get to like talk to people that are really influential on yeah. things that you've done and like tell them and be like yo like uh you're a big deal to me yeah you know, kind of thing and that that's 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 an awesome feeling yeah you know? it was cool and to see the appreciation in mike judge's face when we talked to him i it made me so happy Hell yes. you know in the in now with the pandemic and the way things are you got to value those moments and that's that energy I would get from shows. But now it's through a fucking computer screen mm-hmm. talking to a stranger, but it's still nice to have that connection and uh, have things come full circle and, and experience that. I'm very thankful for that. That's cool. I mean, I, I think, uh, you know, the, the, the modern uh, podcast being the modern zine to it me is. is kind of like um, a, a – it's it's interesting too because it's not just you know words on a page it's it's actual like human interaction mm-hmm. between you know people or whatever and uh, and yeah like you talk about in the pandemic you're not having that connection with people at, yeah. at gigs you're not you know you're not having people sing along to your songs you're not having like you know like uh you know you're not having that person to person time so. I mean, like, like you value it. I value, I value like these moments and stuff. Yeah. Cause it's like, you no, know, some people don't, some people don't have an outlet like this yeah. or, or something. So, you know, I get it. Um, yeah. I mean, there, there are people that you talk to on your podcast that I'm like, yo, I'm like, I must be like <laughs> talking to Vic about inside. Oh, out dude, record. I freaked the fuck like, out. I mean, yeah. I didn't say anything because I was just in shock and just taking it in and I'm trying to get better with it and jump in when I can and, but not really fight for what I want to say. You, you know got I mean? a lot of people on there though, man. So yeah, it's yeah. like, that's like tough to like, it's tough to jump in yeah. when there's like, like two people like you and I, it's mm-hmm. like fine. We're having yeah. a conversation. I've done, I've been on podcasts where it's like five people. Yeah. And that's a lot harder. Yeah. That's a lot harder to jump in. And yo, <laughs> man, I talk all the time. I'm, I'm a talker. Yeah. And even I am like, well, I gotta, I gotta get my. If I'm gonna say something, I gotta yeah. jump in here right now. Yeah. Well, it's funny the way the conversation moves too, because you're talking about maybe you're gonna you're talking about a certain show that they played, and you're thinking to yourself, I want to say, you know, I want to ask about that show, something about that show, and the moments passed and things have moved on. But uh, Javier and Greg do a great job of, um, choosing their words when they speak mm. and communicating. The, communicating their thoughts their thoughts clearly do you see how bad i am that i just <laughs> no, jumbled those words no, up so i'm learning good. from them it's been cool yeah but uh but yeah i really appreciate your podcast and hanging out with you and jared and porter has been fun via oh, dude. via stitcher and working from home yeah yeah i mean like you know yeah some you I mean you're providing something too for people working at home and driving you know like to yeah. like places and stuff but uh so you you meet these guys, Schaefer. You're meeting these guys at, at the college, like you know. And you guys, yeah, like it's it, you're sounding like you guys are pulling from the same well. Hand side and fast break, chain, yeah, 
like you know like classic sounding straight edge stuff yeah um you know be it revival or og mm-hmm. uh so you meet those guys and, and like yeah i mean like you know how does it how, you know how did it form like what like you know you meet them and like what was like the first practice or like kind of like how did things start the first practice we tried out a drummer that was one of garth's friends i don't even know what his name was but it didn't it just didn't i don't think that he was into what we were trying to do mm-hmm. um and cornell played with us for a little bit do you know cornell oh i've heard that name yeah. a bunch i don't know if i've ever met cornell okay but i've heard that name like well Lagans mentioned cornell yeah a bunch yeah yeah he's awesome and he played with us for our first show but uh i want to say not too long after we just played songs we went and we recorded our demo in fairfax virginia but it was something where i think i was kind of the driving force behind that i think maybe they weren't really interested in recording just yet but i think i was rearing to go and wanting to interesting yeah because that's kind of a different energy than you know previously because like you know previously you talk about how you're like just a few years prior you're like i could never be in a like that's that's reserved for like, oh yeah you know, certain people yeah and so this is like kind of like a different a different setup of you being like oh no like we like let's go like yeah you know, what what was behind that so yeah the blade crasher demo come out and then for the living demo came out so for the living is a band where um the singer john hennessy he books shows at chamber of sound with martin in dc Colin Barth, who now plays guitar on Cloak Dagger, our only guitarist, mm. you know, the one guitar player, yeah. that's Colin. He played in For the Living. Dave Bird played drums. Dave Bird from Striking Distance. Yes, okay. So um, they took me on tour with them. Their tour was a weekend, but that weekend of shows was, was with Better Than a Thousand. Ah. And Better Than a Thousand at the time was my shit. They had DC players, am I correct on that? Yeah, they were a DC band. It was... Uh, Ken Olden and Graham Lamb from uh, Graham Land, I think. I said Graham Lamb, but he uh, he played in Shelter. Okay. He played in Battery. That um, makes sense. And then Ray, you know, and then you know, Youth of Today. I fucking loved Youth of Today. Of this is Youth of Today 2.0, but uh, more accessible because I could see them play. Yeah. Yeah. It's not just listen to the record. Yeah. So... That weekend of shows was with Ten Yard Fight, and I think that's when I thought I want to do a fucking band. Damn, that's Bad. a good weekend. It was so cool. <laughs> that's a that's a pretty solid. Weekend. It was uh, Pennsylvania. It was it was such a small thing, but to me, I don't know if you remember the first time where you're like, yeah, I'm going on fucking tour. Oh yes, but this was just Pennsylvania and Coney Island High, and Coney Island High was a club in New York, but it was in the city, and I was pumped. St. Mark's Place. They filmed a better than a thousand video. Oh. with us walking behind them while they were singing in St. Mark's place. And, um, yeah, I think, th- I think seeing that for the living could record a demo, it really drove me to try to accomplish that. And so we recorded our demo at the same place that they recorded their demo. And that place was called basement screams. The bar fight demo was recorded there also. Okay. I want to say the dude charged $5 a song. Wow. Watch <laughs> that guy. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was just something ridiculous. <laughs> like, you know, I, obviously he wasn't doing it for the money, just for the experience of doing it maybe. Okay. But, uh, yeah, we put out that demo and 
it didn't really pop off, so to speak, but I think people thought, oh, shit, they're trying to do this. Is this, that wasn't, it's not the same as a seven inch. No, it's no, no. Okay, okay. Yeah, it's I don't know real, if I've ever heard the demo. Oh, I would say don't. I would I'm going to find it. I'm going to find it, dude. <laughs> it's me trying to find my voice, you know, but yeah. really just trying to emulate Timmy from Blade Crasher and the way he sang. Ah. But it doesn't really come off as my voice yet. You know, I'm just finding it. I'm not really knowing what I'm doing. In fact, I don't even really remember that much about recording that demo. I just remember that when we sold that demo, it was at a show in Maryland, and that show was called Yuletide Fest. Mm. And it was Floor Punch, Rancor, 10-Yard Fight, a um, bunch of hot bands, you know, it doing the like, revival. Yeah, the revival bands, for sure, dude. But the, right. the revival was so hot that people just wanted more music. Yeah. So we sold our demos. We just brought a box of demos. Um, actually, it's funny. So Jeff Newman from Better Than a Thousand – he uh, bought our demo at that show. Mm. He said, "Oh, I heard you have a demo. Let me buy that from you." And that shit was that a big deal? That was a big huge, deal for you, dude. Huge. Yeah. I thought that was so cool. That's all, yo. Even now, <laughs> even now, in in like like early thirties, uh-huh. if I see a name pop up online of like a dude in a band buying like anything I do, that's like uh, uh, that's like a, like a band I like or something like that. I'm yeah, like, I'm like, oh yeah, nice. Yeah, dude. Like, even just the beginning of this podcast, like seeing like Alex. Like, you know, like, yeah. subscribe to this. I'm like, oh, yeah, I was seeing his bands when I was, like, 19. I and love like, Alex. You know, yeah, oh, of course. <laughs> um, you know, so it's just, like, I don't know. It's, it's, like, people can, like, maybe think that kind of thing is, like, corny or whatever, like, hero worship but, like, I don't, I don't think know. it's hero worship. I mean, I think that it was just uh, Count Me Out played a show with Over My Dead Body when Rob Moran was playing bass for them, mm-hmm. and Rob Moran bought a shirt from us. Mm. And to me, I loved Unbroken so much that that was just – it was just fucking cool and it wasn't he didn't do it in a way that was hey I'm gonna buy I'm buying this shirt from you you should appreciate this it was just I want this shirt I like this band and oh yeah to me that really it's still it just I just love that aspect of hardcore I don't think that's something that happens in other forms of music and if it does maybe people have such inflated egos and big heads they think they deserve that or you know they expect that um, no man, that, I that shit love that. means stuff, dude. Like, yeah. I agree with you. You know, I agree with you. Like, it, you talking about that kind of it reminds me of moments I've experienced, like things like that. And I'm like, yeah, I remember almost every moment I've felt like that, where I'm like, wow, I can't believe this person that I think is so talented and good mm-hmm. at whatever they're doing is acknowledging. Be it like somebody like like it, it's from someone buying a demo of yours yeah. to a shirt. Or to like a record, or to like even like a like a like a good photographer, like being like, oh yeah, like I want to like take pictures of you and showcase them or something. Like yeah, you know, like it all, you know, a lot of gratitude, a lot of gratitude going. Yeah. On. But um, so so you you guys had the demo at this gig. You is this this is your first show or? But no, that's you, the thing. No. We didn't even play the show. We just brought a box of tapes with us. Okay. And we sold out of those tapes because people just wanted. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> they, Whoa. Just, they wanted new. <laughs> youth crewish stuff um it was not our strongest material at all but we were able to play shows off of it where were you playing uh well the first show we played was with rain on the parade in 97a at a church on south side okay. st andrews have you ever heard about that i think i remember people of that era talking i think groder 
has okay. like brought yeah. that up to me. Yeah, I can see that. Um, because yeah, he was he was a Southside guy, uh-huh. and I think it was like close to him or something. Okay. and maybe like Tony had a band that played there. Okay, James River Scratch or something like. Oh that. yeah, I can see that. Um, not sure. Okay, Fast Break played there, and they did. They had a good show there, and and then shortly after we recorded the demo, we played our first show there. Uh, there was a punk dude working sound and I literally had no idea what I was doing. They were waiting for me to check the mic and I had, I didn't even know I was supposed to check the mic. I was just pumped to be playing the show. I was walking around just, you know, taking it all in. I think we might've covered youth of today at that show. What song? Oh fuck. I can't remember. You're going to be judged. Toe, toe. <laughs> what song is did that? Did you do it like that? Did you, Dude, did, did I did was, you do the railway? I think I tried to, man. Oh, I, 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 fucking de- I definitely tried to do Ray on the breakaway, like first breakaway seven inch. I tried really hard. Yeah. I, I failed miserably. <laughs> <laughs> A lot of people have tried to emulate yeah. emulate that style. No one's really pulled it off. And I don't think it does. Is there, are there bands that try to sing that way anymore? I don't think that there um, None that come like none that come to my head immediately. Well, I think I think it's I think the issue is that the reason that never works is because Ray sounds so distinct. I th- okay, I think I've heard like Walter, like riding out Walter, kind okay. of do that sometimes. Okay. Actually, yeah, I think on their last record, I I kind of I kind of heard that, but I think that Ray sounds so distinct. Yeah, that it's like you can't. It, when you if you try to emulate him, people are like, "I immediately know what you're. I immediately know what you're doing." Yeah, and and it's like they. I feel like people just immediately are like, "Oh, he's just trying to sound like this." They they write you off. Yeah, I, th- I think I've heard people like. There's other like vocals like that. I the, another key one I can think of, completely different style, but uh, like that you couldn't emulate. It's like Aaron Death Threat has such like a specific cadence yeah. and way of doing I know doing exactly it. what you're saying. You know what I'm saying? If yeah. somebody tried to do that, you'd be like, dog, you're just trying to sound like yeah. we know exactly what you're doing. <laughs> um, so I, I, I kind of see why people don't try it as much. Yeah. Um, because it's just, you know, so it's so distinct. That's why it's, that's why it's cool when people use their natural voice. Yeah. And they sound the way that they truly sound. It just seems more authentic. I do like it if someone were to throw in like a little nod to Ray by adding like a little. At I the think end that's of the way to do it. If you're going to do, yeah, it, I think do it, it, I think it's thrown in on like a word. Yeah. Or or like a, like a cadence, or like or like even kind of like you know how like oh man we're getting in the weeds here. You know how <laughs> you know how he you know how he'll do that thing where he'll kind of do like that like that like elevated like talking like this kind of yeah. thing. You know, if someone wants to throw that in. Like, like real quick couple of words or whatever like that. Cool. Cool. Yeah. Going full, like cat being shaken up in a bag, <laughs> like like how he sounds, I feel like is 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 hard because people are like, I know what you're doing. Um but uh I mean, yo and and Ray's had a lot of different voices too though. Yeah. You know, if you think about across all his bands. It's funny too, because sometimes he'll try to emulate I think the style that he used to sing and it doesn't even come off as natural. Yeah, the show here it didn't sound like it sounded good, but it didn't sound yeah. like old. Didn't sound like old Ray or whatever. Yeah. Um. I mean, I mean, you're honest. When I first heard you today, I really liked it, but I was like, I'm surprised I like this because this dude sounds crazy. Like, yeah, yeah. It, it's not like 
it's weird that they like took such a hold at the time because mm -hmm. vocally not palatable <laughs> like <laughs> like grill biscuits and stuff of that era extremely palatable yeah for like sure. totally understand why like why like that took hold uh like the way that it, it did i almost think bold sounds more palatable like um uh and and, and or like chain yeah, you know, like it, it's like easier. It's like it's easier. Like youth today, I, I, I mean, I think the cult of personality exists there, yeah. and just the intensity around the music is. Well, it's funny. There. A lot of people, I think, when they think youth today, they think break down the walls. Yeah, but me, I think we're not in this alone, and I think disengage. Really, and, dude, I fucking love the way he sings on disengage. It's got so much pain in it, and can, I think you can hear the confusion in his voice. Yeah, and we agree, talked dude. about this on the podcast. He's trying to. He's into Krishna consciousness 100%. He's trying to bring himself back to the former person that he was for this moment to capture the final songs mm. for this band that he's done, which is essentially his identity. And I think you can hear that struggle in his voice, and I fucking love that. I actually agree with that. Mm -hmm. I, do, I do think you actually do hear the confusion on that record. Um, and precisely what you're talking about. Yeah. That, that kind of like this has defined me for X number of years. Mm -hmm. I'm still involved in this greater ecosystem, but this vessel is no longer my vessel. Yeah. But people want this vessel. Yeah. But I, but I don't want this vessel anymore. You know, like there, there's like, I mean, like even just me talking about it now, it's a lot of con there's a lot of like contrary things yeah. in there. I mean, I, th I think it's kind of what you're talking about earlier about like, uh, you, that idea is relatable to me. Mm -hmm. That's a relatable, uh, a relatable thing. And like, yeah, when, when it sounds simple, but when tracks are relatable, they hit, you know, yeah. better, you know, we were talking about, you were saying chain, I mean, chain Kurt's voice. You can hear that raw emotion mm -hmm. and pain in his voice. And I think I always connected to that. And I really tried to recreate that with count me out because that's what i loved when i was younger so you you know on count me out you you guys are playing shows all this demo mm -hmm. um sort of playing shows sort what are you trying mean? to play shows like going I mean, to we would go to twisters at the time jerry mm -hmm. would do booking on i knew what day he booked the shows mm -hmm. he had a calendar he would pick out the opening bands and shit there was a time when Bands could go by and try to get on shows. Oh, interesting. One o'clock on a Tuesday. <laughs> nice. He had a calendar out. We could see what was coming up. A little day gig. You know? <laughs> a little, little weekday day yeah. gig. I would come through and I would say, yeah, let us open up for for Madball. Let us open up for whatever he had coming up. Hate breed. Nah, bro. You're not ready for that. <laughs> I'd be like, no, we're good. We're good. We're, we're going to bring some people. I swear. Nah, no, you're not ready. Um, I don't even know how we got the first shows there. It might have been something local that like Danielle and friends threw together where Hato Four headlined and Count Me Out played first or second. Okay. Even sure. then Jerry didn't take us fucking serious. I don't even think it took us serious until that last show. I really? Yeah, I think that's the I think that's the first time that I think Jerry thought, Oh, people like people want to see this band play. I think it was very hard for people to come to terms with the fact that like you know, we're trying to do this band with 
all of our energy and putting ourselves into every show we played. And it didn't matter how many people were there. And I don't know if it translated in Richmond because maybe they would just think, I see these people all the time. But out of town is when I think it really grabbed people. And that's what's so funny about shows is we would play shows to 20 or 30 people. Those people started bands. Mm. Those people remember those shows. We played shows where we opened for Snapcase at Twisters. Mm -hmm. No one remembers that show. You know what I mean? You know, that's... So yeah, I mean, I I absolutely know what you mean. I mean, that's I mean like yeah, I mean like yeah, I mean I've played probably equally gigs of that nature to great gigs in my life. Uh So I mean, would you I mean like we're going to get into like the first record and, and yeah, all that yeah, stuff, yeah, but, but yeah. like would you say that you like didn't think that like people liked count me out here? Oh, there was a turning point. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Okay. Uh, so I might have jumped ahead in my head of of the feelings that I felt when before we did that tour to support 110. Okay. So so initially the first like the the begin so like your so the demo in the 7-inch era. Yeah, we did the demo and I think the demo is really when we we're trying to get shows and it's not happening. We played some shows um house shows I want to say I want to say Darren was the first person to tell me he liked our band. Nice. And it was after we played a house show. Darren Brown. There yeah. We, we played a house show and I remember him saying, "Yo, I I really like your band." And I, cool. I thought, "Holy fuck, someone likes our band." <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. And they didn't like the covers we did. They liked the songs that we wrote. Mm. And so I really loved that. It really felt like we were starting to do something. Um, when people are moving to stuff that you've written and singing a lot of stuff that you've written, there's that's a hard. That's a hard. There's not a lot of feelings that compare to that. No. Where you're like, damn, you care about what I'm, what I'm doing. Yeah, just, you know. So you like you're playing around here. Are you playing outside of the city at all, or other I, than Yuletide? You you didn't play. You just had the demos. Never mind. Yeah, we just had the demos. I don't think we played much out of Richmond. I don't think we played the beach off the demo i don't think we played dc off the demo i think time flies like the demo mm. and i think kurt was pulling for us a little bit you would end up sharing members yeah mm-hmm. yeah even kurt played guitar for us on a tour on the west coast uh curtis played guitar for us from time flies charlie joined time flies shortly after we released 110 maybe but uh for the EP, we played The Beach. We played Richmond. The EP was released on Ambassador Records, okay. which is Ryan Hoffman from Chain. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. How did that come about? Um, Collision was a band that uh, Steve Hertz played in. Steve Hertz is Frosty's brother. I know he doesn't like to be referred to as Frosty's brother. <laughs> but, uh, he played Pete's House. Okay. Pete had shows in his basement, our drummer Pete at the time. Pete played drums for Count Me Out and eventually moved over to guitar because he wrote half the songs. Uh, but we played with Collision. 
Collision had a good show. We like Collision a lot. They were on Ambassador Records, which was uh, underneath the umbrella of Rev. Oh, okay. It saw the Rev Store on the back. Interesting. Didn't know that. Yeah. They put out the Circle Storm 7-inch, which is essentially Chain of Strength. Yep. Okay. Um, the Chain of Strength, the Circle Storm LP, which is a reformed version of Chain, same singer, uh, different players. Though. Ryan Hoffman played on that. Okay. Um, so we s- recorded with Brian McTurnan up in Maryland. That was through For the Living. John Hennessy said to Brian, you should record this band. And that was a big cosign. Yeah. Because McTurnan had recorded Ten Yard Fight. He did? Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. I didn't know that. The Hardcore Pride 7 Inch. Damn. For real? Yeah. Wow, I can't believe I didn't know that. Wow. <laughs> Texas the Reason 7 Inch. Damn. I mean, uh, I, he's got accolades for days, I know. Yeah, dude. Brian is... Um, we talked about Be Well at the beginning, but I mean, really, it's awesome to see him doing something now that's hitting. He's, I, mean, I, feel, like, I feel like he's always got his hand in something. I met him when, um, do you know Cheddar from here? Yes. So I, Cheddar. From Candy? When, yeah. Yeah. When he was, when he was in Angel Dust. Okay, cool. Briefly. Uh-huh. Uh, I shouldn't say briefly. He did like a tour with them in europe and stuff and he was he was in it for some time i uh i went with him up to them recording their first lp mm. um and i and it was so it was, that was with brian and so i met brian yeah there because you know uh and and i was familiar with the studio because uh breakaway recorded in that same studio oh nice but not with brian with this okay. guy kevin okay um but uh, but yeah, I, I met him then. Never really linked up with him again, but I, I did meet meet him there. Um, and I'll just say he definitely uh, seemed like he knew what he was doing. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, for sure. And Battery, yeah, was who I would go see when I was younger. I would go see Battery. I would go see Damnation. Oh, his brother. Yeah, his brother Mike mm-hmm. McTurnan. Um, still cool to this day. Still, still see that dude like yeah. on Philly area stuff. Hmm. Um. Yeah. He's real nice, man. Holy nice shit. Guy. He just sent me, he's in the process of moving. He moved up to Philadelphia and, uh, he sent me a box of shirts. He oh. knows I collect shirts. And so he sent me a box of shirts and then amped. I was so pumped and he sent me this shirt and I don't think that he even thought twice about it, but it's a new age record shirt that says watching you fall only makes me stronger. Mm. And it's got a photo of him on the back singing. And that was kind of a staple shirt of the 90s nice and for him to send me that shirt even now at age 44 i was fucking pumped fuck yeah dude i love love that that stuff i love that man (laughs) so um for brian to be willing to record us was a huge deal because he knew what the fuck he was doing and he worked with bands that we wanted to sound like and um we went to a place called phase studios which is the back of uh, atomic music i don't know if you've been to atomic music record store it's uh it's an equipment store up in okay. Maryland. Okay. I don't and, think I've been there. Okay. This was, I think he just rented out the back of it, but, uh, he really gave us good advice on what worked, what was cool, what wasn't cool. I really wanted to throw effects on the back, um, on, on, you know, back uh, on the vocals when they ended a song ends and it's got the delay, like stronger, stronger, stronger yes. from chain. Yeah. And, uh, he was like, 
dude, that's not cool. <laughs> right, he said, I know you think that's cool, but really it's not cool. Trust me. You were not going to be happy that you, that we tried this. It's not going to be worth it. Mm. So, uh, he gave us some good advice for, for stuff. And I could see his excitement when he was recording us. And that really m- meant a lot and kind of made what we were doing valid, I think. Yes. Um, so we paid for that recording ourselves. It was only $600. Not bad. Yeah, it was for a weekend. <laughs> it was $600. Um, and we sent that off to Ambassador Records and said, you know, we sent it to a ton of labels. So we sent it to Smorgasbord. We sent it to Youngblood. Shout out to Sean Youngblood. Yeah, shout out to Sean. Yeah. <laughs> sent it to uh, everywhere we could think of. And Ambassador said, yeah, we like this a lot. We want to put it out. And then from that, we started playing the beach in dc and we tried to go on a tour and we broke down in texas and are you just like in school by the way at the time or yeah yeah i'm in school this is just on you know on the weekends or summer break or spring break or we really tried to line shit up with 110 and permanent where it was we're on break we're gonna play shows is how we approach things when it came time to take things more serious but yeah, the school model. I know the one. Yeah, yeah, one. yeah, yeah for sure. Course. So we fucking failed on that tour. We broke down. We played, I think we played Virginia Beach. We played Houston. Mm. Um, Was that the routing? <laughs> yeah, dude. Oh, my God. <laughs> Isn't that so stupid? Oh, my God, dude. <laughs> oh, so first show's going to be Virginia Beach. Next show, Houston. <laughs> I mean, now I would think, fuck no. But at the time, we didn't give a shit. Yeah. We wanted to tour. Holy shit. I wanted to tour so bad. I just wanted to be gone and to be doing something productive. I hear you. Yeah. So we broke down in Texas and our uh, engine caught on fire and we just stayed in a hotel for a week. This tour was with Time Flies. Okay. And uh, it was out to California. Time Flies had shows booked with uh, Judas Factor and Kid Dynamite. Okay. And they said, yeah, you can jump on the shows. No problem. So come out to the shows with us. um, and a little piece of me thinks that we would not have been able to. Really? Had we not broken down, I think if we did make it there, it might have been something where the promoters were thinking, you know, you can maybe play first right when the doors open, but, you know, I don't know how set in stone those shows that we were supposed to play actually were. Interesting. But I know that the breaking down and the failure of not having that tour happen drove us to make it happen good i mean like some people would it would go the other direction where they'd be like oh like too much has happened you know it's Mm -hmm. like you know it's just kind of like murphy's law type scenario yeah but i see you so like you what you turn back you go back home like no we stayed in a hotel for i think a week while the engine got repaired and then we joined back up with the tour in chicago okay uh and that show was with kill your idols buried alive time flies um we played i want i don't want to get this song wrong we covered a chain song i think it was never understand okay. where it gets in the middle and it's got the bass line the do charlie's bass fucking broke and he just walked off he walked off the not stage it was at a it was in like a just a big hall Damn. And people were moshing to the nothing, to the him walking <laughs> off. <laughs> I was moshing to the nothing. And so we just, and that was it. 
Um, Anyway, that's when Charlie... So Charlie was playing with Time Flies at that point. So maybe it was before 110. It's so funny. We talked to these members and other bands for the Rev podcast, and I always think, how come they can't remember this? But I'm definitely having a hard <laughs> right time there. remembering it right now. But well, this, is, this is the EP era still. Yeah, this is still the EP era. And Charlie was playing with Time Flies, and he continued to do the tour with them and played the shows in California and then came back and met us when we all met together at that uh, failed Chain of Strength cover show. Mm. Um and then we came back, and then that's when Indecision, we we decided to work with Indecision. Now, did they reach out to you, or did you reach out to them? I say we decided. There was no one. You know, it was it was, <laughs> it was me straight up. And I listened to a podcast. I listened to uh, 185 Miles South, maybe, yes. with Mandel. Mm-hmm. And um, I think he thought the record was already recorded. It was definitely not recorded. We def- I definitely cold called, and this is so unlike me. But I cold called Mandel and said, uh, hey, Time Flies is on a decision. Count me out once to be on a decision. You put out our band. We're going to fucking tour. That's all we want to do is tour. We want to promote your label. Put out a record. Damn. But you, you, you fucking big dick at it, my man. Fucking <laughs> 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 go in there. Let him know what's up. Dude, it worked. Yeah. <laughs> you throw some confidence behind your voice, I did. Man. I, did I did. Shit, I did. I did. I don't know what done. the fuck I was thinking because I would n- now I would never do that. <laughs> I would be fu- I would be shook just writing an email to someone trying to come off with that energy, but it it worked out good, and I think he could see that we were trying to do something. I think that we surprised him with one ten. I don't think that he expected that. Um, I didn't expect the response to it. Is why Did you I record say that, that with Brian as well. Yeah, we recorded that with Brian, and um, I'm just really happy with how that came out. Yeah, what I mean, like that's a. I mean, um, I mean like, I, I, one thing I love about your band is that people can uh, debate between records. Yeah, you know, which a lot of bands you have two records. One is clearly better than the <laughs> other one. Uh, but uh, you know, what went into what went into one ten? Was it kind of like all right, we kind of want to do what we did on the EP, but just kind of elevated a little bit, or or was it kind of like uh, we like were intending to do more of the same? Yeah. Okay. No, no, not intending to do more of the same. I mean, we wanted to take it full on chain. I think we just wanted to just have it nonstop. Um, I remember Pete wanted the feedback in certain spots mm. for the songs. So we kind of had everything mapped out. I asked Vic about this, Vic Dakar for the Inside Out 7-inch, because... I fucking love the feedback on the inside out. Oh, it's so particular as well. (laughs) It's so particular. I asked, I said, was the feedback planned out? And he was just, no, feedback's not planned out. We planned that shit out. You know, we, we wanted it to sound a certain way and we wanted everything to have, I don't know. I mean, count me out has pretty distinct feedback as well. Yeah. So it's like, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Like like I can think of the tone of it and kind of like where it sits in the tracks and stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and it's recorded to tape. That's when Brian was using reel to reel to, you know, to record this stuff. And I think that helped the sound of that record. Um, I kind of hated my voice when we recorded that though. Why? It just didn't sound the way I wanted it to. And I think in my mind, I thought I want this to sound chain, 
but it doesn't sound that way. It sounds the way that I sound. And I was frustrated with that. It didn't have that depth that Kurt's voice has. Um, well, I think by comparison, you kind of talk about someone sounding like their own voice earlier. Like you just said, you sound like yourself. Yeah. And, and, and that's important. I think, all right, hear me out. And and, and like definitely from one ten to the chain material, it's the same it, it's like the it's like pulling from like the same well, mm-hmm. same thing. There's a dramaticism to the Kurt vocals, and like 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 a, like a more like uh like a, like a more theatrical approach yeah. almost to them that is not on one ten, but I don't. That's not you anyway. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. It's so. What happened was we were recording the vocals. Everyone had done their parts. Me and Brian were just doing the vocals. We did them early in the morning. And I fucking flipped out because I wasn't happy with how the vocals sounded. Mm. And Brian said, come up here. It was downstairs in the basement. Come up. Let's go take a walk. This is how you sound. The way your voice sounds is how you sound. So you need to get used to that. Mm. You need to accept that. So let's go back and do the vocals. I'm not 100% happy with them. But that was kind of a learning experience of you sound the way you sound and it's not going to be the same as the bands you love, but you're doing your own thing. I I mean, and that's from what I know about Brian, that seems like a very like Brian, like, like aspect of advice Mm -hmm. because it's, it's like not like, you know, he's not going to coddle you. Mm -hmm. He's going to tell you something legitimate, but it's going to be something that like helps you out. Yeah, like you know, he's he doesn't seem to be like the kind of guy that like you're recording a record, and there's a take that is passable, and he says let's move on. He seems to be the kind of guy. It's like no, do it right or don't yeah, do it. Exactly. You know. Exactly. And it makes people. He's told some stories. People get angry. You're in there. It's high intensity. Mm-hmm. You know. You're screaming. You're fucking hard out. Yep. And it doesn't sound right. It's frustrating. So I really, you know, it's funny. Every now and again, someone will tag Brian in a post about Count Me Out. And he says, oh, I'm happy to have played a small part in that record. He played a fucking enormous part in that record. And he played an enormous part in people taking us serious. These used to be the, the questions everyone would ask. Where's this band from? Where was it, re- where was it recorded? Yep. Maybe I people- still ask that. Yeah, because it's interesting. Yeah, and it kind of factors into how a band sounds. I mean, I, my number one question when I hear a band is, "Where is this band from?" Yeah, just because it's like that. I'm like, okay, you you can you can contextualize, you can piece together. You're like, okay, th- maybe they're friends with these people, or yeah. you know, or what have you. I think that's a very important thing. Mm-hmm. And um, and yeah, wait, and like where like where do they record? Is uh, I mean, another another one too that like if you can't already tell. Because that's yeah. one thing that, that happens to me now is that sometimes I can listen to stuff and be like, I know exactly where they yeah. recorded this. Yeah. You know. Um, sure. So you, this record comes out. And, well, I mean, like, was there was there more between you finishing recording and it coming out? or uh, I don't really remember the time period between 
we didn't really play that many shows and we kind of turned down a lot of shows which was not smart but mm. we were very selective into the in the shows that we did play in richmond specifically i know for sure we turned down a saves the day bane show and i don't know why we did interesting the, yeah it <laughs> I mean, was a tour it was still on the rise i guess but <laughs> yeah it was just something where um we had just played something else close to that and we didn't want to play too much i think we were very conscious of that um cloak dagger played all the time and we did not learn from that <laughs> but but uh with count me out we i think we tried to not play that much um and then 110 pete booked a tour for us and then we successfully went to california and the texas shows were great the texas shows were always great for us and it was a nice push of momentum to then get us to california and we played shows with carry on fuck yes mm-hmm. big fan yeah carry on's fan. awesome but they were still not what they are now and was this like seven inch era yeah mm-hmm. and this different, was different beast yeah and not when we played posy numbers with them at some show and it was fucking crazy um after a lifeless plague came out Ooh. right after it came Ooh. out and it was just mayhem when they played i wish i could <laughs> <laughs> and time flies played and time flies fucking destroyed that Good. show um, but we headlined that show. Oh, yeah. We headlined those shows out to the West Coast. So when we were talking earlier about the small shows that we were playing, that those were the sh- you know those were the shows. So hold on. You, you headlined the gigs out to the West Coast. This is what? What year is this? 2000. Okay. Yeah. When you came back, did you finish at Policy Numbers? No. Oh, okay. Um, you know what? It wasn't long after that, though. Because I definitely remember that click that clicked in my head of, yeah, there was five people we saw at this show, five people we saw at this show, mm. to add up to 50, 60 people going crazy when we played. And it was so uh, fulfilling to me to see that. I watch that video a lot. Oh, really? All the time. Fuck, that's awesome. All the time, dude. Um, especially when I was doing Breakaway. I'd watch that video a lot. Oh, that rules. Um, like... <laughs> I mean, like, like when when Posse Numbers offered you like the headlining spot, were you like, yes, this seems appropriate? Like, um, did we headline? I don't think we headlined that one. Are you sure? Yeah. Was so one of the first. I kind of jumped ahead, but we we played a weekend of shows with For the Living, and one of those weekend shows was one of the first Posse Numbers. Oh, okay. And this Posse Numbers had Atari played. I think Atari headlined. Mm, okay. So the Posse Numbers that you're thinking of, there was two ones where we had really good shows. Oh, I didn't know. I, th- I thought that like, that was the first one that you played, that video. Okay. No, there was two. And one of them was with Carry On and Time Flies. And the other one was with American Nightmare. And Colin played two sets. So he played drums for us, American Nightmare right after. How had y'all met them? at that point uh how did colin meet them was it was it like they, oh they count me out and have a kinship or was it just him oh yeah count me out did count me out toward uh canada with american nightmare on the demo wow okay yeah so they oh, had their, yeah they had their demo come out and we played shows with them up in canada hmm. they were dubbing the demos at the show tape they had they were they had a a, a, 
a setup where they were at the merch booth dubbing tapes and um yeah that's how we hooked up with them and Colin New West from uh, Ten Yard Fight because he was Ten Yard Fight's roadie. And then, oh, there we go. Yeah, I was we, always wondering like where the connection came mm-hmm. from. That all right? But uh, yeah, it's funny. And Brian, you know, McTurnan, when we recorded Permanent, he set us aside and said, "Colin, why are you going to play with American Nightmare? Why don't you just play with this band?" <laughs> 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 He said, this band, you know, if you want to tour, why don't you just tour with this band? But American Nightmare was fucking big. At that time period? Yeah. They were playing big shows, you know. And all Colin wanted to do was tour. And I felt him, you know. I mean, I wanted to tour. Yeah. But they had everything lined up and they just, you know, needed. I mean, they were as hot as as the sun at that time. Yeah, for sure. What's interesting is that, like, I mean, obviously I wasn't there. I didn't get into hardcore until, like, probably... They were they were done. They weren't even banned anymore. Okay, like, you know, by the time I got into hardcore, um, and also what was popular when I was younger uh, was so different than them mm-hmm. that when people would tell me that they were like this was the biggest band, I was like, really? <laughs> like, and I really like them now. Like, you know, as I got older, I really. But at the time, I was like, I was like, Whoa. I was confused because it was so different than like what was like big like when, yeah. when I was getting into stuff, but um. But yeah, but people would tell me they were like, "Oh, dude, like, like people that were around, they're like, oh, I mean, their shows are insane. They were always insane. They were they were insane in a way that was unsafe. It, it yeah. was just people just fucking, not even diving off balconies, just throwing themselves off balconies, not even caring. Yeah, if I fall and break my fucking skull, I don't care. That's <laughs> sick, honestly. <laughs> yeah, um, it was awesome. It was inspiring, and it was cool to see someone on that rise you know it was awesome especially with people that you like have like met in your demo era and stuff yeah and yeah like watching this happen yeah for exactly sure. but well, i gotta say government warning had that same ride up oh, and then you saw dude. that i mean i fuck. did see that um, kind of felt the same way well they they start we'll get to them we'll we'll start a little bit later yeah but uh so you so kind of during the 110 time period i mean you said that there was eventually a turn here yeah. Did it happen post 110? Yeah, it was after, I okay. think, so we had the one, so we, so 110 came out. Indecision had given us a bunch of posters. We were putting the posters around. I think people kind of thought, who the fuck does this band think they are with these posters? Mm. You know? But uh, we did that tour and we came back and I remember how it felt when, uh, for the living they went and they toured Europe, and when they came back, it was kind of yeah, this band's they did something. It's a thing, yeah. You know, they accomplished something, and we did those shows on the West Coast with uh, Carry On, and we came back and we didn't lose money. We didn't make a ton of money, but we probably made eighty or a hundred dollars each, and to the to us, that was very successful. Well, after traveling across <laughs> the country and breaking even and walking home with any amount of money mm-hmm. is success to me. Yeah, I mean that's not easy to do. Um, and CDs were so easy to sell. You know, the, the cost of CDs were cheap and the returns on them were so high and that's what everyone wanted. I mean, we had the vinyl for 110, but I don't think it was really, you know, we probably had it with us for a while mm. um, before it sold. That but, You know, it's funny. It's like I always hear that era was like the CD era. <laughs> it was. That's it so was. crazy to me. <laughs> and you know what's funny about that? 
I won't say where because I don't want to. I'm not like I'm not saying this in like in a negative way, but uh-huh. like there's there's a certain area that sometimes I will go play or be with friends like or like be with friends bands or whatever, and older dudes will come out that probably haven't like other than what's going on locally haven't mm-hmm. been like a, like around or whatever. This this hasn't happened. No, this happened within the past few years. Now I don't think about it, but they, they'll go to the table and they'll be like. Yo, man, you got CDs? <laughs> <laughs> and like, and I'd be like, uh, like when Breaker is a man, I'd be like, no. Yeah. And they'd be like, oh. They like the, the look of confusion <laughs> of yeah. being like, what do you mean? Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, like, yeah, man, we just got vinyl. And they were like, ah, you guys need to get CDs. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, so, uh, no, I know that there was an era where that, because I mean, there's records I like from that era that I, I that may not have gotten a vinyl pressing. Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, a lot of the rev stuff we talk about on the podcast, I mean, I bought tapes of that stuff or CDs, slipcase CDs, you mm-hmm. know, CD jacket stuff. Oh, I remember, see, I remember when that was more of a thing. Wow, I Dude, even that. Renee Hartfelt. Renee Hartfelt had the Digipack, and that was a big deal. Ooh. Digipack was the fucking Cadillac, you know, of, um, of CDs, and so that was a big deal. So, you know, like, yeah, like, you know, m- momentum's there post yeah. this 110 tour and everything and and kind of like what was what was the next step so we did the u.s tour then we went to canada played the shows with american nightmare i thought you did that on the demo no no american nightmare had their demo oh yeah okay they didn't okay, even have the seven inch out yet i mean Wes, oh, okay. we stayed with them in maine and he showed us the artwork for the seven inch sure okay there we go I got so it. with the american flag on the cover that uh jake bannon did um that second seven inch is fucking sick. Yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah, it is. That's a good one. That time, that time was just. I'm very glad I experienced that, and that I was able to see that. But um, yes, yeah, so we came back, and it's so funny the way things work. Is we always in the back of my mind, I was always thinking, I want to break up when this band's at a high point. You mm-hmm. know, so we did the 110 tour, and we came back from that. I don't think we we're ready to break up yet, but we did Canada. And I think maybe we're thinking, oh, maybe we can come back from Canada and break up. That's crazy. That you're like, <laughs> like you just did an LP and you're like, all right, it's, we're done. Well, <laughs> like, all the know. bands I looked up to, they all had just an LP and then they broke up. Or that's not a lot, even that. You that's know? a lot of hardcore bands. Yeah. Uh, Turning Point had the LP and then they broke up. Beyond had the LP and then they broke up. Um, so we came back from that and we gained some momentum for sure. And it's funny, Time Flies had, they were supposed to play those shows with us mm. to Canada, and they canceled. Mm. But we just still stuck with the tour. That's where we met. We played shows with the Movie Life on that tour also. Oh, okay. That's where I met Vinny. Sure. And um, so it was an important time period, I think, for our band and just kind of making connections with people that lasted. And it's 2021, and I still have connections with a lot of those people. Love that. Um, I think we were, I think maybe we didn't do that thing that down to nothing did, which was book shows for bands when they came through. And then that helped them. There was no one in our band that was really the spokesperson, so to speak. I would kind of try, but it was always me being, come on, we should do this. We should do this. And everyone shutting me down or, you know, it's just the way things work in a band sometimes. But, um. So we came back from that, and then the record was doing okay in California. It was people were excited about it. Indecisions out there, yeah, yeah. Indecisions okay. out there. 
And uh, I remember there was a Bane Death by Stereo Adamantium tour. Mm. And someone on that tour, I can't remember, it might have been someone from Adamantium, was telling me how much they liked the record. And that kind of blew my mind that. Oh, yeah, different world for sure. <laughs> for sure. Different that world. someone heard it and they liked it from, you know what I mean? And it, it just, because um, we weren't playing with those bands really. We might have opened up for some at Twisters every now and again. But uh, then we. Mandel booked a week of shows for us in California with Death by Stereo. Okay. And so we flew out there and did those, and those did really well. Some shows fell through, mm. um, and then people would last minute throw something together, and those kind of turned out to be awesome. So, so shows like that sometimes <laughs> rock. I actually love so, sometimes like that last minute, like day of, like, yo, yeah. like, yo, the energy around those sometimes can be like really good. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. I totally agree. And uh so yeah, I think I think that might have been the touring cycle off of that record though. Okay. Was okay. the US tour where we headlined, the Canada tour, and then the um the, the West California. Coast with, with Death by Stereo. Actually we did the Strike Anywhere tour too. Mm. Garth booked it. So Garth plays Guitar. Garth played guitar for Count Me Out. He plays bass and Strike Anywhere, and he booked a week of shows uh, back to Canada after we'd already been there once, but with Strike Anywhere. Okay, sure. Um, same type. Same type of gigs are different. Ah, uh, different. The yeah. shows were all small. The shows weren't very successful. Mm. Uh, bless Garth's heart for booking those shows because it was out of his comfort zone. Yeah. But uh, one of the shows we played was in uh chicago it was you know we did that up to canada to play a few shows and back but one of the shows was in canada at a place called sportsplex and we thought sportsplex that sounds cool and we get there it's a fucking sports complex let's go (laughs) (laughs) soccer field you know yeah Uh, i mean how was it it was bad and yeah. the, the show, they said oh yeah you're here for the show yeah you're on the third floor there's a Lamaze class in there right now you can go after that, oh, <laughs> go after that no. shit dude. so we played the show and we got I think the promoter didn't have enough money to pay everybody so Ooh. he gave us trophies fuck yeah okay that's cool Never I still mind. have the trophy that's, how you, that's cool you still have it that's yeah. fine um, alright so you know like, like that kind of like being the end of the the 110 mm-hmm cycle but you guys are already kind of thinking about stopping yeah just because you want and i get it just because you're like all right you know like you go out on a high note people remember you as being great yeah for sure so with that in mind what prompted doing an entire other record i don't know (laughs) i really don't know i think uh colin joined us on drums pete was playing drums um and Pete wanted to move to guitar because he was writing a lot of songs for us. Charlie was writing a lot of songs, and uh, Pete was writing a lot of songs, so he wanted to move from drums to guitar. And then I think when he started playing guitar for us and Colin started playing drums for us, I felt like we really found our lineup. Mm. Okay. Okay. You so, so, so new energy with a new lineup. Yeah. Gotcha. Uh, I mean, I think Colin's one of my favorite drummers. He plays from his fucking heart. And he 
would do this shit when we played shows where he would just destroy his drum set at the end of the show. <laughs> and I, I just love that. I just, yeah. And he plays so hard, and I love when drummers play hard like that. Bratton style, Chris Bratton. Yes. And um, when he joined us, we were pumped. You know, we wanted to just do something. And I don't, we just wrote a ton of songs. Um, but I think also in our mind it was, oh yeah, we got to go record the second LP, you know, or we had a timeline of what we wanted to, when we wanted to record it, at least we had booked the time, but we were also kind of writing songs up until a couple weeks before we went in the studio. Mm. But did you go back to Brian? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you go back there. I mean, stylistically, this is interesting. So, so that, so Pete moving a guitar mm-hmm. marks a change in sound a little. Yeah, I agree. A, a little. Like some some people like when when I w- when people would tell me that work around at the time they were like, yeah, like uh permanent like was like so different than 110. Yeah. And to my ear, it's different, but not so I mean like it I'm like it still sounds like the same band. Like, yeah, I, I was always kind of confused by like people that like approached it as being like, "Oh, Permanent's like such a different record." I'm like, I don't really. It's like it it it's got like a certain flavor to it that's different than 110, but I, I didn't think it was a crazy departure or anything. Yeah. Um. But uh. But so like that marks the the change, you know, kind of like a, or the addition to the sound. And, I mean, you know, was it just like had something y'all talked about? Had y'all been like, we just want to go for something a little more melodic or? No, I think Pete was, I mean, you can see this now in hindsight, but Pete's really getting into uh, Quicksand, Mm. Refused. Okay, sure. Moondog. Yeah. We fucking loved Moondog. Uh, We didn't talk to Walter too much about that stuff, and I wanted to. Yeah. I wanted to talk to him more about it, but we just kind of moved on to Quicksand. But that was a huge influence on Pete and the way that he wrote stuff. Um, I think also somehow our love for Turning Point creeped into Pete a little bit. Uh, um, you can hear that on there. Yeah, and if he if it didn't creep into his guitar playing, then maybe Garth snuck that stuff in there. Or maybe they worked together on that, and I wasn't there for it. Hmm. But um, yeah, all those songs they sounded they did sound different to me. And they weren't as planned out as 110 was. Interesting. Yeah. When it comes to, you know, we talked about, I want the feedback here. And we had the track listing ready and all that. We didn't really know that when we went into record permanent. Uh, okay. I can maybe hear that. It 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 has a more um, greased wheel sound to it in a mm-hmm. way where it's like, where if you said that permanent, not permanent, 110 was more planned out. It was like, all right, we're like this is our first LP. We need to like, you know, like, like do this by like, like the numbers in a way, like this has got to be like this permanent does have a little more of a feel where it's like, we know what we're doing. Yeah. So we don't need to do that. Um, I, you know, I'm a permanent guy over one ten. I love both records, but that permanent is, 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 is the one for me. Um, specifically because of what you talked about earlier, in regards to why you liked uh, Kurt and Chain of Strength. Oh, nice. Permanent sounds more like, 
you weren't being dramatic. But the dramaticism that I referenced of Kurt, yeah. I feel like I heard a little bit more of that, a little bit more of that anguish you speak of. Yeah. In permanent. Yeah. Um, you know, like dear you and and mm-hmm. like you know and, and, like, and like things like that. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, and just also just coming in on that first track, uh, South Street. Yeah. Whew. Buddy. Colin's drums make that song. Buddy. <laughs> like, you know. Um, I love Colin's drums on that. Man. I'm thinking about, like, I don't mean to, like, be like this because you're in the room, but, man, I'm thinking about Permanent right now, and that's a – I'm listening to that when I get home. Thank you. Uh, Sam is in the other room bowing down to Permanent. <laughs> <laughs> Sam, thank it, you. It is so – That makes me very happy It's a rocking record, man. Um, so that one – we went and we recorded that song, My Regret, first. Yeah, great one. Thank you. And the vocals for that are very, like, long. You know, the drawing out of words in it. And we were tight on time. Mm. And Brian was saying, is every song going to be like this? <laughs> Where the songs are, you know, were, was it drawn out? Because we have to finish this record you know, in this amount of time. And then we did that song against the world and something just clicked. Like the lead in that and everything, the beginning. Yeah. yeah. So before, so Pete used to play, um, and I, and I, this is my one thing I've contributed to the music. I said, Pete, no, why don't you just do, and it just fucking, Ooh, man. It just, sounded so appropriate and so we went and i did the vocals for that song and i'm off that's not how i wanted to sing the song but i'm trying to catch up to the music Mm. so i'm rushing to catch up with it and it just sounded like what i wanted and not that kurt way but in that inside out way of you know it is because it's real and it's me trying to catch up with it and get these words out you know, for that song. And it sounded to me what I thought was perfect. So five kids, that's the song I'm going to play them. You know? Fuck yeah, dude. And that's all. I mean, I now knowing that I'm going to re-listen to that song and, and listen for that. Yeah. yeah. It does. It sounds more like, it's kind of like your voice is very like the, like the voice, like in like capital V voice that you're talking about earlier is very apparent in that record. Mm-hmm. And, and I think it's because of organic moments like that. Well, what happened was Brian said, how do you feel? I said, I feel good. Fucking run the record. Let's do every song. One take. And that's how we did that record. Really? Holy shit, dude. Yeah. Oh, I can't believe that. And wow. I just put myself out of my head and just thought every imperfection that's on the record is how it's meant to be. So fucking run it. Damn, dude. And then Brian said, okay, I got some people in the studio. Do you want them in here? Everybody out. Colin can stay. Okay. Run it. That's <laughs> how we did that record. Damn. I had no, I mean, I had no <laughs> idea. Wow. Well, and that, and that I think impacts how the sound, I, I think that like, that like, that makes sense now, now yeah. knowing that. Um, my voice so, is fucked at the end of that. Oh, I'm sure. You know what I mean? <laughs> I'm sure you're done. So you dude. can kind of, you could probably hear it, but when that intensity was going, you got to capitalize on that and just roll with it. 
Me so too. I'm very happy we did it that way. I think if we would have taken that record and thought, no, nah, let's punch this in and punch that in and punch this in, it would have lost that. Um, it would have just not had that energy. Right. So after, you know, you get the record, like Indecision did this one as well. Mm-hmm. Yes. They did. So this record comes out and kind of like what's what's everybody's headspace, you know? Like that was the bad part. Mm, you know really? what I mean? <laughs> um, Strike Anywhere is big. Oh yeah, they're they're getting up there at the time. Yeah, Strike Anywhere is doing well. Yeah, that style of like punk is popping mm-hmm. during the early two thousands. American Nightmare is doing well. Yeah. Um, I think. Having Garth play in Strike Anywhere and having Colin play with American Nightmare, people were more open to hearing Count Me Out. I could Didn't see write that. us off. Mm. And so um, you could see it at shows. We were playing good shows. And I was very happy about that. And I wanted to tour, but not everyone could do it. So for what we did was we booked uh, East Coast shows and West Coast shows different lineups oh okay because not everyone could do it so this is when we had curtis from time flies play with us and we only had one guitar player really yeah curtis from time flies he played guitar for us okay um pete played drums again i was gonna ask like did pete move back to drums okay yeah Yeah. charlie played bass we played some good shows but it wasn't the lineup that i think of when i think of count me out of my head you kind of need two guitars for like that second record material <laughs> yeah you really need it for all of it but i mean like definitely permanent stuff yeah and we're playing you know we we go out to california we played shows with uh we played a show with terror mm. off the demo oh so it's hot whoa it is hot yes <laughs> we don't have our full lineup and we play after terror you know Ooh, right around the rough end. spot yeah, to be definitely funny because i went and i looked at the video i I saw a video of the show not too long ago. It wasn't as bad as I remembered at all. It was, we did okay, oh, but I, I didn't mean, even see that video. It's it's not it's nothing compared to Terror on their. I mean, in their demo phase, oh my god! I don't know if uh, Terror's had very few phases where they haven't really been killing it. To be honest, yeah. Last yeah. Show, the last show I played slash went to was before pandemic. Okay, Terror. and Todd Jones is working with them on their new one. I, that that <laughs> announcement that came out today, <laughs> yes. yo, yeah, I saw that and I, I just. I had like you know I was like whoa yeah like, I mean because that was like I and I look like it's it's songs from that era yeah uh but they're doing them live or something like, and I think he's pro- I think it was he's producing the record yeah, maybe I'm, so. I'm interested yeah I'm interested absolutely for sure so um so we did those shows and then we did the East Coast with um Suicide File and the Hope Conspiracy oh yeah and those that, were that good was, shows like, y'all's boys yeah. But it was also, yeah. you know, the lineup. It was Colin on drums and, you know, I don't, yeah, I don't know if Garth was with us on that leg. Mm, Unfortunately, he, Garth's my boy, but stuff, yeah, yeah, he was doing Strike Anywhere stuff. And so um, Colin got busy with American Nightmare. And this is 2000. This is, we broke up in 2003. February 2003. Yeah. Permanent came out in 2002. Yeah. We toured Europe in winter 2002 into 2003. So the year when the record comes out, what you're doing is you do 
the West Coast, mm-hmm. like you said, with a different lineup, and then East Coast. Yeah. And then Europe. Yeah. And was that with the full lineup? The Europe tour was with the full lineup. Okay. And I think that was kind of everybody's, this is it. You well, know? It, it makes sense, too, because it's kind of like, you know, we got two members that are doing stuff that's like popping hard. Oh, yeah, huge. You know, like, and then you're, you know, you're, you're two LPs deep. Yeah, yeah. You know, you're not, it's like not going to be a full, you're not like, this isn't going to be your job. Yeah. You know, kind of thing. Um, cause I, you know, so I, I guess it, I guess it sort of makes sense, especially because it seems like it was hard to get everybody together. Yeah. It was hard to get everyone together. And then Pete started writing stuff for what would be Renee Hartfelt. Mm. So we're on that European tour and he would wake up early and just play guitar, write his songs for Renee Hartfelt and, uh, what he wanted to do, you know, which was. Less hardcore, more indie rockish, um, and I think we were conscious of staying within the confines of hardcore a little bit, and still wanting to keep Count Me Out a hardcore band, and not trying to, you know, take those songs from Pete and then turn them into something that they weren't. Sure. Um, I don't think anyone wanted to do that. We all listened to different types of music, but I don't think that anyone wanted to veer off too far from being a hardcore straight edge band and you guys hadn't been to europe previously had you no no i wish we would have gone back but we had special shows there in the uk for sure the week of shows we played in the uk were very memorable and important to me i met a guy uh when breakaway went there the first time okay that was a really big count me out fan I don't remember his name. Okay. I want to say he was trying to buy a guitar that was used to record maybe permanent. Okay. From somebody over here. Might have been Stimper. Stimper might have that guitar. I'm oh, not nice. I'm not 100% sure yeah. on that. Austin, I, I have a feeling you're listening to this. Please <laughs> please let us know. Yeah. Um, shout out to Austin. But, uh, yeah, shout you out, man. Well, it lives here. Um, <laughs> but uh, uh, I remember... Yeah, like I almost want to say his handle might have been X South Street X or something like that. Oh, nice! Like I can't hundred percent remember. Yeah. Um, but uh, and he talked about seeing y'all there at that time and and everything. Um, but uh, so the UK shows. Or did you guys just go over there solo, or were you? Yeah, we went over okay. there solo. Um, we went over there in the winter time. We spent Christmas there. Mm. We spent New Year's there. Oh. We spent Christmas Eve there. Uh. Was it nice or? No, it sucked, <laughs> but in an awesome way. When I think back on it, I think that sucked. I would never do that again, but I'm glad we did it. Yeah. When we did it, and that was my family, you know? I mean, sure. I love my family and we have a great relationship, but these people, you know, I was happy to be there with them. Hey, man, the blood of the covenant is thicker than the water <laughs> of the womb. <laughs> I like Some, that. Sometimes <laughs> the, the friend, the, you know, your friends or the family you choose to give a, a phrase yeah. my father would give me or something shit like that. Yeah. But no, I mean like it, it's like those, those bonds are, you know, like getting on very, very, uh, we're getting very thematic of the type of music that like you've been playing at this point. Mm-hmm. The, 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 those buzz bonds are very important. Yeah. Um, so you got, okay. So timeline wise. Yeah. You guys come back from Europe if it's if it's, if it's December. Mm-hmm. You guys break up like a month later. Yep, we, we came back in January. We played shows I think until January seventeenth. Uh, we came back, 
I think we decided that we were going to break up at our show uh, scheduled in Richmond when we were in the Netherlands. Played mm. a show with Dead Stop. Oh, fuck yes. <laughs> oh, that rocks. It's a cool show. I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure it ruled. Uh, we had Bjorn with, us, Bjorn with us from Rise and Fall, now from Chain Reaction. Oh, yeah. Uh, He's in Chain Reaction? Yeah, dude. Singer. Yo, I did not know that. Yeah. That record is good. Yeah, it's good. That's a, Was it a demo or I don't know? I no, mean, no. They came out with something. They came out with a 7-inch. I did the artwork for the 7-inch. Oh, did you? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. And then they came yeah, out with a new release. rocks. Yeah. Um, I remember like stumbling across that at some point, not knowing really what it was. And I was like, damn, I was like, this is this is killer. Yeah. But I didn't know anything about it. Okay. That makes sense. All right. Cool. Before Rise and Fall, pre Rise and Fall Bjorn, but uh, he rolled with us. It was awesome. Um, But then we came back, and I think then it was that thing of everyone wants to do different shit. Yeah. We made it to Europe. We're never going to be this tight again, as I think what we thought. We just played six weeks of shows or whatever it was. I didn't think we were ever going to play that tight again. And I think everyone just wanted to just call it. Yeah. I think I didn't want to call it. Oh. You know, deep down, I just thought, I don't, I don't really want to call it. But, yeah, if everyone wants to. If, if that's it. the energy of kind of everybody out here, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I hear you. Uh, I didn't want to be the one holding on to it. So I was cool with it. So your last show, uh also dead serious this last show yeah um suicide file <sighs> cast aside i want to say plays okay it's I, I have this flyer saved on my phone oh nice um because specifically because i remember when when breakaway broke up i was like oh i want to do i tried to model us after count me out like i mean like like in a way and like obviously a band is a, is a team yeah so it's like we're, we were all doing stuff together but our last show is in February, and the reason that I booked that show for February is because, like, oh, Tell Me Out broke up in February oh, of awesome. their last year. So I specifically – Thank you for like, letting me do the yeah, flyer for that. I was like, I specifically want to do it the way that they did it. Um, you remember – so you were going to do, do Breakaway's last show, and you were the first person to break the news to me that Strange Matter RIP. Mm. Sad day. <sighs> I really wish it had been there. Um, it we, was a cool show, though. It was at the warehouse. It was cool. fucking perfect. It was cool. Yeah. Um, our first Richmond show was at Warehouse One. Okay. So it was kind of like an I like full circle yeah. type stuff. So that, like, that was like full circle. Um, but uh, yeah, I wish uh, I wish it, that had been at Strange Matter. Um, that would have been oh, because you did the flyer and everything. So you see, you, you know. Yeah. Uh, I wish that hangs in my house. Um, oh, I, nice. I wish. Uh, I wish that it had been a strange matter. I think that would have been that room was very important to me, as yeah. I'm sure you. Oh my god! Because like you know, like I mean, I've watched the video of y'all's last gig from there a bunch of times. Nice. It was so. Was it somebody's wedding that day or No, it was it was uh I don't even know where we got the idea. I think we were big into just the idea of this is a funeral. Oh, I thought there was like y'all just showed up. <laughs> <laughs> but you know why though? It's probably because I did not have a black tie on. Mm. I had a yellow tie on. Did you? Yeah. I needed a black tie. Yeah. We were trying to go for you know that kind of San Diego style of dressing up for a funeral style last show. Saying so, goodbye to this thing we love. For people that don't know, uh, if you watch the 
last coming out video online, uh, the band is in ties and, yeah. and button down shirts and stuff. I didn't know that. I thought that y'all had like had something going on that day <laughs> and went there. Well, because I, because also that, that, that was like, like a Dave Brown. Oh no, dude! Dave Brown's wedding show was awesome. It yeah. wasn't that one. Yeah. Dave Brown's wedding show was American Nightmare, Shark Attack, Dead Serious. So kind of close, but that Ooh. was, and that was one of the shows where it was. Oh, we're on to something with this because uh, there was a line down the street for that show for Dave oh, Brown's I, I wedding don't show. Doubt it. it was you know, it was a good show for us. I don't doubt it. Yeah. Um. So you know, you guys play. Uh, if you watch the set online, it's fucking bonkers i think was it like people didn't know until they got to the show yeah yeah it was unannounced it was just within us we knew it was gonna be the last show we did make some covers uh for the last show to date the 213 Mm -hmm. um but yeah it was unannounced and i think we wanted it to be a surprise for everyone that was just actually at the show so Around that time period, everyone would play a last show and it would be a big deal. And a lot of people would come to those last shows for bands that they weren't there for their shows when they were active. Mm. So I think we made the decision. We want everyone in the room to want to be there. And not because it was a special event, but because it was just who would come see us. Anyway, sure. Um, I think word got out Mm. because there was a few people. I think Austin said he found out it was gonna be the last show so he came down mm. and i was, was happy he to hear Harrisburg that at the time i think so okay yeah so i had to drive a couple hours yeah he recently told me that so so you know you guys you guys stopped that then and uh what was the wake of that like you know it was kind of like the after the aftermath for you i said i'm gonna get the fuck out of here because mm. i didn't want to be that dude hanging on and you know what i mean yeah so in my head i just thought i gotta get out and I moved to D.C. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Okay. Moved to D.C., sold a ton of good shirts. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Paid my rent off hardcore shirts for, I think, three months. Damn. Worked at Urban Outfitters. Just, I was going to ask, what were you doing up there? Yeah, working at Urban Outfitters 60 hours a week, trying to find a Ooh. full-time job doing design work, oh, constantly damn. going on interviews and having nothing pan out design-wise, but just kind of in my head thinking – uh, you know, this chapter of my life's done. I got to go to DC. I got to get a real job. I got to start making real money. I got to start taking design work serious. And so, I mean, like, you know, like I, I, I assume you're still going to gigs and stuff at the time, like up there and everything. No, not really. Really? Yeah. So I know you, you full on were like, I'm done. I don't think I was done. I would still go see striking distance. Oh, fuck. Yeah. You know, yeah. um, but uh okay yeah so yeah you're in you're in dc uh you know you're looking for design work and but you're working at urban outfitters yeah not playing any music no so kind of what what was sort of next for you in in your journey um man i was just unhappy i was up in Mm. dc just living paying rent not doing much going to see striking distance when they played obviously i'd go see renee hartfelt when they played yeah i saw some bigger shows there saw uh rollins band do the black flag covers okay for the west memphis three. Oh yeah it was I re- good i read that book yeah uh, i remember being in high school and reading that book about them 
uh, like Broken Summers or something like that. Okay. So he wrote a, he wrote an entire book about like a comp. I read that yeah. also. Yeah. Um, and that was a good show, but I really just was unhappy. And so uh, I don't know why we decided to move back to Richmond. I mean, I was ready to move back to Richmond. Uh, my girlfriend at the time, I think something changed in her where she decided, yeah, I'm down for that. Mm. So we came back, and not too long after I came back, uh, Colin hit me with the Cloak Dagger songs. What year is this? 2005 is when we started playing together. Okay. Okay. That sounds, that sounds, that sounds about right. Because I remember seeing like kids in my high school with like Cloak Dagger shirts and stuff. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. I remember seeing that um, or around that time period. Mm-hmm. And what was the approach there? Like what was kind of like? That was – so Renee Hartfelt would – practice and sometimes pete would show up late to the practices and they would fuck around with songs and colin was really getting into direct control oh yeah that government had, warning that stuff was pop and like we talked about earlier that stuff was really popping at the time too yeah and it was something where colin knew that i had an interest in that stuff we would always talk about circle jerks and di we love di oh yeah um it was that there was a whole like separate scene being like I'm sure that existed in some capacity previous to this, but that had was really like almost like exploding at that time. Yeah. Around like that style of hardcore here. Um, that was like separate from, I feel like what would have been like the, like just years previous, like the count me out world. Yeah. You know? Yeah, for sure. Um, and so Colin just said, Hey, here's these songs you're going to sing for this band. It's going to be called cloak dagger, but it's going to be cloak slash dagger. Yeah. And when we sell shirts, we're going to cut off the sleeves when people buy them at the shows. <laughs> Did you do that? No. <laughs> we didn't go through with that, but that was Colin's plan, though. And so, uh, but that was real hard for me to try to, when we actually recorded the demo, that was actually hard because I didn't, I have good memories that count me out. I didn't want to fuck up, you know, those good memories by trying to do this new band that wasn't, that didn't turn out right, you know? Mm-hmm. So I was very conscious of that, but I was happy with how the demo came out. And then we, put that demo out and it was sold good i remember was the demo like the was that like the first seven inch or no no the demo was just uh pete set up but renee hartfelt's practice space okay and we just recorded i can't remember how many songs maybe five songs but uh it just took off kind of i remember i really liked that song was it daggers daggers that's a seven inch yeah i yeah. loved that song that's awesome i love that song that was fun as shit that whole time period was just fun and just i was very jealous of bands that could just do whatever they wanted to do with no confines mm-hmm. and have fun in that kind of circle jerks the explosion way Oh, the explosion, yeah, mm-hmm. sure. Because that, that was Damien from In My Eyes. Mm-hmm. So it was someone that we could see that was having fun when they played. And I wanted to have fun like that when we played. And Count Me Out was very painful. Serious. Serious. Yeah. You know, like, I like can't write. We were talking about clever lyrics before. Yeah. You know, I try. I can try to do some of that shit with Cloak Dagger and it's fine. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, like the range is like... You can kind of do whatever, you know. It's, yeah. a, it's a punk band. It's just it's just a punk band. Yeah, you know. Yeah, like it's not like a like a like a construct or like a like some kind of thematic thing. You really got to follow, you know, like 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 there or whatever. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So I mean, like, were I mean, like you know, you'd already had connections from things you had done previously. Like, were you just, you know, like 
like did you guys like pull like tour a lot or like what was kind of the setup playing wise? We toured a lot, but we didn't really tour effective. Mm. But uh, you said it was different because it would count me out. You'd be like a little more selective of what you did. But yeah, <laughs> well, I get it though because you get to this point where you're like, I just want to have fun. Yeah, I just want to like have a good time. Yeah, so I'll play to like five people in a basement. Someplace. Yeah, we were playing you know? basements. We were playing houses. We were playing with DTN was the first show. Okay, so cool. thanks to David Wood for putting us on on that show. It was with the Geeks. Oh, yo, that show gets referenced amongst people even now. Oh, nice. Like, I remember seeing that flyer. <laughs> I, I, like, I remember like kids in my high school would be like, oh, yeah, I saw this man from Korea. Yeah. And like, and that was the gig. Sweet. Yeah. I, I, okay, so that was your first show. I did not know that. Yeah. All right. um, I think we might have played a coffee shop impromptu before, but that was our first real show where we're listed on the flyer. And... Did you play Coffee Talk or something? Yeah. Ashland? Yeah, yeah Ashland. Dude. Yeah. See, I've... now you're talking about places that I know about because <laughs> this is like around the time I was coming around. Nice. Um, but yeah, I was really into that style of it. All the punk shows I went to before that didn't have that hardcore feel to it. I think government warning shows still kind of had that oh, they did. hardcore-ish feel to it. Oh, yeah. And they were exciting baby. as fuck. And I would see yeah. government warning, what, three times a week? Oh, they would play, like, that was, I mean, I, I explain that to people that are younger now mm-hmm. about, like, what, I'm like, yeah, government warning came to prominence because they would play, like, every party. Yeah. You know, just, like, Bone Zone shows and, and like, just, like, house gigs. Yeah. And just, like, wherever, like, whenever. Um you know, and and that was they became like a like a house band for like if you for like good time punk yeah shit you know, but it was like mean at the same time and like I don't know I that band is incredible like yeah huge huge deal for me same here yep same it was, and it was awesome to see their rise oh, you yeah. know they did it they did it right man yeah they did it right they stopped mm-hmm. at the right time yeah they like the two great lps the first one's better than the second one but i agree like i mean it's just like but you couldn't how are you gonna follow that how yeah. are you gonna follow no moderation like i don't you know i don't know like um seven inch rocks uh the first the seven, seven inch, inch is great yeah. dude um the seven oh they had that that song arrested is killer though yeah they did jesus they did. christ that is a great band and eric is such an awesome guitar player oh, dude yeah and th- that was where i like i found more of a home in that stuff but like first yeah you know I, I like i didn't i didn't like know a lot i mean like i knew like i knew like brandon and mm-hmm. i knew kenny kind you know we talked just because i'd be in his face all the time at shows and shit <laughs> you know but uh and i met alex and like eric and like, the, like those people and stuff i didn't really know a lot of the show goers okay kind of the reverse i feel like of what happens but i but i knew some like people in bands like like mark you know Schubert, yeah, and you know, and uh, and stuff. But um, uh, yeah. I mean that 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 stuff was popping, and yeah, like and and like I I considered Cloak Dagger. Cloak Dagger kind of was in the middle. I feel like between the two, yeah, scenes a little bit. We had that good thing going for us, though, or we could play with big business, or we could play with Paint It Black, or we could play with Hot Water Music for sure. Um, you definitely, and, yeah, all those you'd fit. Yeah, and so we did all those things, and it was. Cool and Alex D put out the seven inch for us on mm-hmm. Great Mistake, and then shortly after that we signed to Jade Tree, which I thought was going to be a huge deal, and it was 
a huge deal to me because they put out four walls. Mm-hmm. They put out Strike Anywhere. J-Tree was a thing. At, yeah. I mean, they, they might still be a thing in a different world, but they were definitely at one point in time. I think they were doing Paint It Black, I want to say, as well. Yeah, they did Paint It Black and Avail? Paint It Black. Yeah, they put out the Avail reissues. Okay. Yeah. Um, oh, that was the, oh, Avail was happening here in the 90s. Yeah. We talked about earlier. Yeah, that was that would also be one of the big shows of the years okay. when Avail played. Gotcha. That would be the one that everyone went to. Sure. Everybody. Um, yeah. It's sort of the same way that when Fugazi would play DC, everyone would be there. A little piece of me would kind of take offense to that, that there would be so many people I at those, you. you know, those band shows. But then when there was a smaller they're not there. hardcore show, they're not there. But yeah, I understand it's not as welcoming. But still, I think that it's kind of how I felt. It's kind of how I felt about like DT and Christmas shows sometimes because they would do that one that yearly Christmas show. Mm-hmm. And I'd be like, sometimes they'd be like, "Who are all?" all you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we put out that we put out the We Are LP. Yeah. Okay. And we did not tour too smartly off that, but we toured a lot. We what do you mean? Europe. We didn't tour too smartly. We talked about routing before. I want to say that one of the shows that we played was the drive was from. Iowa to Seattle. Oh God, dude. Okay. <laughs> we played in New York. We had a great show Didn't in New you York. Learn? Yeah. We played a show at the Ergs in New York and we did good and we made a lot of money at that show because people were buying the record from us. And then I think the next show was Iowa and we kind of ate up all of our money. And mm. then the next show was Seattle. Oh, I remember the Ergs, damn. Yeah. They were popping at that time too. Yeah, those are good shows. Did um like you had moved back. You're not really. I mean, like, are, are you like? Did you are you like working here? I mean, I know you're doing urban in DC, but did you yeah. ever find a design gig like that no, you wanted? I was working at a print shop here in um, Richmond. Okay, I was so, curious, kind of like what the like, kind of like what, if you're touring a lot, sort of what the lay of the land was oh, for you. So, like professionally, professionally, I was temping. Ah, okay. So I came back to Richmond. I started working at a print shop. I printed all the Cloak Dagger CDs there. I printed all the flyers for the shows we played there. Fuck yeah. I got let go from that job, and I just started temping for law firms. Mm, okay. Doing like, document reviews so that you go through the cases and you would look for keywords and not exciting stuff, but just long hours, and it paid overtime. Okay. So okay. when I was back from tour, I would just be working these you know, 15-hour days Damn, looking for bro. keywords for – you know, corporations and their lawsuits that they had going on. Um, one of the cases was DuPont versus Cologne, which mm. is a company in Korea. DuPont, the paint company. Yeah. About the trade secrets for Kevlar. Oh. Which is what they make bulletproof vests yeah. out of. And hmm. uh, the Korean company that I was doing the document review for lost, and they lost $1 million. It was on the cover of the Richmond Times Dispatch, but I worked that case. Damn. Yeah. Insider. <laughs> yeah, insider info. Not important insider, to what we're talking about. But the international but just, just Kevlar I was, trade. Yeah, I was just unhappy and just working document review. And you can hear that shit in Cloak Dagger. You know, I'm fucking mad that I have to make money. I'm mad that, you know, it seems that everything's at a dead end. Well, just I mean, like, a lot of the – a lot of the songs I heard about, like like from kind of like that, like that side of hardcore. Um, I was in school, I was in college, but it resonated with me like a, a lot of like, like oh, like like I gotta work this job, mm-hmm. fuck this, you know, because that was like a lot of the punk I got into was like you know like 
like oh I got you know like like all the ob- all the obligatory stuff that you know like uh, of daily life school work yeah you know like things that you had to do you know kind of thing like I remember like I love just bands music you know whatever that was like oh fuck that you know like yeah and that and that irreverent vibe um drew me in into that stuff and i and i remember like kind of like you know, like hearing that in in cloak dagger stuff cloak dagger was kind of sassy yeah you know yeah, I think so. <laughs> like, uh, now i'm thinking about it mm-hmm. cloak dagger is kind of had like, a little swagger yeah, to it in as well yeah. i'm glad that you don't take offense to that because no no i like, don't what dude. do you mean like, <laughs> um no i agree yeah like uh so you know like all right so i, I get the model now you're uh, you know, like you're doing. Uh, wait, was Pete in Club Dagger as well? No, okay, no. Let's so see. he's a dentist, so I feel like he's like you know, like yeah. Oh. So uh, Club Dagger is Colin on drums, okay. Colin Barth from Port Living on guitar. He also played in a band called Trial by Fire that was on Jade Tree. Okay, uh, Aaron Barth was on bass originally from Striking Distance. Same bass player from Striking gotcha. Distance, Colin Barth's brother. Uh, okay. Now Matt Michael plays bass for us. He played in Majority Rule and now plays in a band called No Man. Oh, okay. I've seen mm-hmm. that. I've seen things about that as well. They, oh. He recorded. Uh, who do you record? Portrayal of Guilt. Oh, did he? Yeah, he recorded their first. Interesting. I think their first LP, and he recorded a band called Infant Islands that's doing pretty well. Okay. So I I, I, I see Portrayal of Guilt come up just because of like a close casket casket connection. Yeah. Um. But uh, I I don't know terribly too much about them, but interesting that there's the the cloak dagger connection to that. I wouldn't have suspected that. Yeah. Um. So you know, like you guys are you know you're coming out with records and yeah, you know, like like just it seems like when you're not doing your arduous working, just hitting whatever shows are there, yes. man. <laughs> but you're playing you're playing like cool fests and stuff and and everything. Yeah. Like you know, like um, you know, I, I feel like things are going like well you know for like a second band you know yeah i agree um and uh you know like how cloak dagger still i mean like you're still a band yeah we just recorded two songs fuck yeah dude. in 2020 i mean this has been my you know i put my heart in this band for 15 years now but it's really isn't that crazy it's been i was thinking i was like wow yeah yeah it's been that long and now i know and i'd never really wanted to be that band where it's yeah, let's get together on the weekends and all that, but I don't really mind. You know, it's fine with me. I accept that that's what people can do, and I'm very happy to be playing music with these people. And I still think it's challenging to sing for the songs that Colin Barth writes, which are crazy surf rock. Just, it's hard to write the lyrics for the songs that he makes. And I like that challenge, so... Even to the stuff that we just recorded, it was still challenging. But it was fun and cathartic, and especially in 2020 when you have the chance to do that. Yeah. It makes me thankful that we can still play music together no matter what. And I don't think it's in this sad, you know, weekend warrior, former glory type thing. I think it's just that's what it is. We're going to play when we can and record when we can and put it out, and maybe people like it or maybe they don't. But it's very satisfying to me. So that's why I want to keep doing it. You know, it's the kind of thing where, you know, you, you talk about every time that you're away, mm-hmm. be it when you were in Texas or when you were in D.C., 
when you are away from doing this stuff is 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 time period that you don't like. Yeah, for sure. And that just means it sits in your soul, man. Yeah, it's true. You know, it doesn't matter. It's just like if that's if that sits in your soul and you got to do it. I couldn't imagine. I couldn't imagine being away from like being able to like play. Yeah. And like go to like regular shows and and I mean, well, I mean, I can't imagine not being able to go to regular shows because <laughs> we're all in that place. But you know, but like but you know, we're all on the same boat for that. I'm talking about like if if they were going on at a play and you know and I wasn't able to go to them like you know like yeah that, w- that would suck you know, yeah kind of thing so it, it's like I think anything especially in the time period that we exist I know I'm appreciative of being able to do this yeah and any type of music you know um like you know with like with my band and stuff congratulations um, by the way on what triple B oh thank putting you putting out the LP yes. we're we're uh like seven tracks deep right now nice. like uh we want to get nine so we're awesome we're well on the way um so it's, uh, it's you know it's i'm feeling actually i, I don't want to jinx myself but i feel really good about what about what we got cooking up yeah so, um it's you know, cool to hear you switch up your voice you know and that's a hard thing to do and well, i think it's kind of what you're talking about with with yeah, you doing clothes dagger. Yeah, it do, is. It's, you know, same thing. Just wanted to do something different. Yeah, but it's a hard thing to do. Mm. And when you can do it, you know. I got to sing, baby. Yeah, it's <laughs> awesome. Got, I got to. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. That, that, I'm, I'm glad you like it. I got to I gotta, I gotta belt these lines. You yeah. Know? <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> oh, no, I'm excited about that record. It's And it's going to be cool. And, uh, like, I, I'm, in, I mean, you know, we're not even in the studio yet, and I feel good good about these songs um but uh how many records does has does like cloak dagger have so we have three lps at this point okay three lps Alex, all on j tree or no or the last the fr- one uh i want everything matt recorded the mm-hmm. one that recorded portrayal of guilt yes infant islands he uh recorded at his house and then he paid for the record to be put out it's on his label called quit life okay um, oh yeah, y'all did that one. Y'all, y'all sells. I mm-hmm. remember that when that came out. Yeah, and that one actually sold well. We Fuck had a write up in Brooklyn Vegan about it, and they gave it a good review. And good. Then that really just kind of just I saw y'all, sold a lot of copies. I saw y'all a little bit after it came out. I saw y'all uh, <clears throat> open for Ann and uh, and Piss Jeans. Oh yeah, yeah. So I saw, I saw y'all right around then. Yeah, I was happy we did that tour. Oh, that was a tour. So you did, you did dates yeah. There. Okay, it was a weekend. Was a uh, it was a weekend of shows. I think American Nightmare. They they had a rough time. Something happened. Their flight got fucked up in Atlanta, and they had to drive from Atlanta to Baltimore. Mm-hmm. And they got to the Baltimore show right before they had to play. Damn. And Piss Jeans didn't make the show, and I had to tell everybody that Piss Jeans wasn't going to make the show. Ooh. Not a good, yeah. You had to be the guy. I did. Oh, I did. The sucks. promoter, they grabbed me, and they said, hey, look, I can tell everybody before you play, or you can tell everybody when you play. So I went for when we played but as soon as you know as soon as i said piss jeans can't make it fucking uh west walked up and it was just perfect timing to see american nightmare roll through the crowd but thank god him and mesic had driven up from atlanta which is a far drive so uh yeah baltimore (laughs) uh yeah atlanta to here is a far drive yeah to baltimore but um so you know still doing still doing cloak dagger Mm -hmm. in the capacity that you can now uh you know, I, your art is all over the place, uh, you know, and 
which we have we've like barely you know scratched on yeah but, uh, but art's all over the place you know like the, the last thing like we'll talk about is where it went yeah awesome and how that came together yeah I mean really it came through the artwork because Greg was telling me about wanting to do the podcast and he asked me to do a logo for it so I designed a logo for where it went it was just a side by side record mm-hmm. um but it was just two people from the side by side record and a star in the middle. And Greg posted it. People were excited. For the first episode, I was already hitting him up with stuff. Greg, you got to ask about this for the Warzone 7 inch. You know, you got to ask about the fucking 7 inch and Radio Silence. You know, the book where it's got this limited pressing of the Warzone 7 inch with a special cover that there's only, I don't even know how many of one or. 10 or something ridiculous so i hate redesigning shit for instagram i work hard to make these crazy illustrations or flyers and then you have to condense everything down into a square for instagram and i fucking hated it so i would spend all this time on putting detail and stuff and you lose all that by sizing it down to instagram and as a challenge to myself i just hit up greg and i said why don't you let me do uh, Instagram post for every episode of where it went because these are all records you know up to a certain point in the catalog that I love and have a deep connection with the artwork for and so that's how I started working with Greg and Javier to to do the promotion for the podcast and then that kind of morphed into these weird uh, art school videos where I would just throw together live clips and shit that I thought was clever, um, which I'm still kind of working on, but it's still getting me, giving me the chance to revisit this artwork that I really love. And we talked to Dave Bett. Dave Bett is the current creative director for Sony Music, but he started out by doing, he did the Start Today layout. He did Bringing It Down. He did the Way It Is comp cover. Wow. So, uh, it's just been cool to revisit this shit and just do it and and give my own interpretation of the artwork and to be able to work with Sammy on seeing that stuff and having Revelation promote it and revisiting the records and revisiting the records in a way where you're analyzing every aspect of it and you're seeing information that wasn't there when I was first hearing those records there's so much shit I've learned about these records and we're at 21 now. Oh, I mean, I've learned so much by listening so much. Like, like judge is one of my all time favorite bands. Mm -hmm. So learning that information, like just like, like little things like, like Porcel and and Mike have talked about has been awesome. We referenced it earlier, but the most recent episode, uh, the count me out, uh, not count me out, uh, the inside out episodes. Yeah. That was like learning so much crazy stuff, you know, like about a band that like, albeit the, that seven inches in my top three. Yeah. Maybe my number one. That's uh, right. You know, kind of thing like, uh, learning about something that was largely mysterious to me. Yeah. You know, otherwise, um, you know, it's just, it's a cool practice and I think it's been a cool thing that you know you're putting out into the world in a time period where there's not a lot of content yeah you know in regards to hardcore music because i mean there is and there isn't um 
but yeah, so I mean, like it's just and I, and he had you just met those guys, Greg and Javier from Discount Me Out days. I or? met I met Javier at the uh, Rev twenty at the twenty fifth anniversary okay. of Rev. I flew out to California for those shows on the uh, theory that Chain or Inside Out was going to play. Mm. <laughs> Neither played, <laughs> but Quicksand played, and it was fucking great. I'm sure. Uh, I'm I sure. really love Quicksand, and so. Um, I don't really talk too much on the podcast because I'm still kind of still trying to find where it's appropriate for me to chime in. And so Greg and Javier set up the episode for the way it is comp with Jordan and Ray. And they said, even if you don't say anything, join the Zoom call at the end, maybe chime in with your hot track for the record, but just be there for it. And so I was there for it. And at the end, Jordan said, uh, oh yeah what's up with this guy in the corner that hasn't said anything the whole episode (laughs) (laughs) so from then i started trying to talk a little bit more and i'm always uh, happy when you do thank you yeah because because you get because you said you ask you ask questions that i don't think greg and javier touch on okay and 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 like are questions that i like want to that i'm like oh like i'm glad he asked that i Mm -hmm. want to know that too um because just because you're approaching things differently you're approaching it from an art perspective you know, yeah. in, in some cases or, or like the, like the feedback question, you know, it's yeah. like, it's like those guys weren't going to ask that cause they don't have the, they didn't <laughs> record one ten, you know? <laughs> so it, it's, it's cool to have you on there and it's, it's just cool to have another hardcore outlet right now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that brings us to, to current day. Yeah. Current Jason. Here we are. Just here in this cold room <laughs> yes but uh here with the drum set but I like it. <laughs> as you said by the drum set uh yo man i really thank you for coming on um, dude thank you it's been awesome like, yeah you know it's just like to get your story and uh count me out super important to me Club thank Tech you is very cool everyone please listen to the where it went podcast and uh learn the history of the building blocks of hardcore music uh once again everybody if you enjoyed this episode and you uh, want to support Form of Passion, make sure to share this, subscribe to the podcast on wherever you subscribe to podcasts. And if you really enjoy what we're doing here, subscribe to our Patreon at www.patreon.com slash Form of Passion. Once again, thanks for coming on, Jason. Thank you, and thank you for your podcast. When you first started this, I talked to you and Alex D., outside of an angel dust show at the camel oh yes and i remember you saying i never want to interview anybody that is not currently active in hardcore <laughs> you're, I, saying you're still in a band i know but podcast. i just i just love that that's what you're doing you're talking to people when they're fully immersed in the fire you know what i mean uh, yes so and, i've enjoyed hearing people's stories from an outside perspective and i thank you for that of course and sam and, thank you Yep, and you know, as always, we we thank the the silent warrior in the other room, Sam, <laughs> for uh, for recording this. Thanks, thanks everybody. Uh, we'll uh, see you later this month.